0: I'm the, I'm the one. This is
1: Patrick Bader, your host of ITM, and today I'm sitting down with Sean Ray. Sean Ray, the former bodybuilder, legendary bodybuilder, that uh, was willing to open up and talk about a lot of different people, whether it's other former Mr. Olympia folks or even Chad Nichols. It got very, very controversial, but it's probably the most insightful sit down I've ever done to find out more about the current conditions of the Mr. Olympia brand.
0: The one and only Sean Ray. Sean, thanks for coming out, buddy. It's interesting because the love and the hate, that didn't come until I think I was done bodybuilding. I mean, um, when you move into the media side, uh, you have a lot of people that have opinions. I remember Muhammad Ali had a love-hate relationship with Howard Cosell. And I see what Stephen A. Smith is doing now as a talking head for mm-hmm. all these other sports. Mm-hmm. And moving into the interview side and the media side, these guys that you know I admired, i am now got to critique and criticize and had some threats from some bodybuilders because I was too harsh with my criticism. But I'm known for telling it like it is. And you know I take the good with the bad. So loved and hated I take it. <laughs> what the heck? I mean if if you're going to be at the top and you're going to be competing for
1: a while mm-hmm. in the business, you're going to piss some people off. It doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. But for you you're you're slightly different because you know from looking at it from the outside to the bodybuilding world, okay? Mm-hmm. You see guys who, you know, they compete and they know how to play the physique, they have genetics, mm-hmm. they have a nice physique, but they don't know how to play the politics game, right? Mm-hmm. So they'll go compete, but they'll never voice off or sound off to uh, get some kind of change to take place.
0: 95 like per, 95%. 95% of
1: them, yeah. Okay. They're kind of quiet because they're afraid, what if the IFBB or what if Mr. Olympia Brand does something to them? Sure. Then you got the guys on the other side that are good politics, but they don't have a physique, mm-hmm. right? They understand the political game, but they don't have a physique. They're allowed. You have the physique. Okay. You have the gift. You are an incredible. Uh, bodybuilding in your world, even your enemies, when it comes down to talking about genetics and, you know, how you came in at 197 at first professionally, and at the end, I think the heaviest you ever wore was, was like 218, 218 and, right? and you go through that, but you also understood the political game. You saw some of the stuff that was going on behind closed doors, and so today, I kind of, you know, on one end, I want to kind of get to know you, to mm-hmm. see what your stories you know, because I try to find a lot of different stories about your past. I know you're a high school, you know, Pasadena guy. You got some interesting stories on what you did. But I want to go a little bit more into this guy in high school, Sean Ray. We're 14 years old. I'm your classmate. This is pre you break into a record for 98-yard run that you went on, and it's in the books till today. And yeah. you had the ability to go play college, maybe the next level. You were 17 years old debating to be a bodybuilder. I'm talking pre that. 14 years old, who's Sean Ray?
0: Um, I was a dreamer. I wanted to play professional football and uh, you know I had already had experience with karate. I wrestled. Um, I started playing football at the age of eight. I had to come from a football background. All my brothers played football so I knew that going to El Dorado High School um, was my meal ticket out. I wanted to play in the NFL and I could tell you the names of the players, their salaries, their coaches on all the NFL teams as a teenager. So going into high school My brother, Chuck, was one year older than me. He was a phenom as a freshman, had all the high school rushing records, but he was a fullback type runner. I was more of a Barry Sanders type runner. So he set the bar for me going into El Dorado. And he's kind of a bully, a little bit bigger version than me, Um, played in a punk rock band. He would defend his friends in fights. I was not a fighter, Um, very spontaneous. He would surf, uh, snow ski, and and do all the things I wouldn't do. When I got to El Dorado, uh, I wanted to break his record. Uh, but I also was aware of the, the senior and the varsity records that were there. So I went in there with an agenda. I wanted to become a professional football player, and, and I did everything I could do. My uh, my sophomore year, they asked me to play varsity, and two games in, I started. And from there, I just you know continued on. I was a halfback. I was a uh, the punter. I was the kick returner, the punt returner, the defensive halfback, and the running back. So by the time I was a senior, I was wow. pretty much I was helping the quarterback call yeah. plays. Um, but at the same time, I was lifting weights to get bigger, faster, and stronger, which was very effective. Before I left high school, I'd already won the Orange Coast uh, Championships, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I won the Teenage California my senior year, and that's when I knew I was going to become a bodybuilder. You knew you were going to be bodybuilder 1984, now. it was April. Um, I had gotten injured my senior year, stood on the sidelines, watched my varsity season disappear, and I had to make the decision, play in the All-Star Game in June or do the Teenage National Championships in June. I was 18 years old and I chose the Teenage National Championships. I went in and got second place. Uh, I lost that competition to Franco Santorillo as a teenager, but Franco had won it the year before. So he came back for a second national title. So he was a
1: little more experienced. He
0: was, and then by the time I was 19, I went back to the Nationals, won that championship, wound up in Flex Magazine, uh met joe weeder and ricky wayne's son kevin wayne's a photographer mm-hmm. rick wayne saw a lot of myself a lot of himself in me mm-hmm. and i'm at the joe weeder studios at 19 years old by 20 i was a junior world champion on the cover of flex magazine in college still no money but i was living the dream i could drive to woodland hills and walk in and see the pictures and see see what the future potentially would help hold for me And at 21 years old, I was a national champion three years out of high school, a professional, and Joe Weider signed me my first $1,000 a month contract.
1: $1,000 a
0: month contract. $700 apartment, $289 car payment. I had to figure the rest out. It was sink or swim.
1: Now, let me ask you back then, it was more kind of like, look, we don't have money to give you, but we'll put you on cover of magazines.
0: We'll give you publicity. What was it? I had nothing to compare this with. joe weider said they had a thousand dollars a month and i thought that that might as well have been a million dollars a month for me i was in college Um, but he was calling my house i was driving to his office we were having these conversations they saw something in me that i really still Mm. didn't get my arms around at the time i won the junior world championships in teenage america Uh, they were saying that i was the next big thing i hadn't bought into it yet mind you i was coming up at the same time mike tyson was and watching Mike fight and listening to how he was being indoctrinated into uh, being the heavyweight champion mm-hmm. of the world by Cus D'Amato, yep. I had my John Brown, who found me as a bodybuilder, telling me the same thing. Now I've got Rick Wayne telling me the same thing. What it, age did John start telling you? 17. Okay. 17 is when I joined a gym. John won the Mr. Uni- Mr. Universe uh, two times, and Mr. World three times. When he saw me, he thought I was already training for bodybuilding, but I was training for football. Six months later, I was on stage. Then I was his full-time training partner for a year. Um, by the time I won the teen national championships, John went back to Europe. I continued doing it my way, and I, I wound up becoming Mister California first in '87, national champion in 1987 in, in November. When I got my contract, though, that validated the whole thing because you got to remember I'm That's coming right. from football. Yes. In high school, I'm shaving my legs. There's no hair. I'm just doing what I what it looks to be normal. I'm taking the bikini girls down and putting all the muscle men up. Um, I'm. Admiring and studying these books. I mean, there's a lot of questions going around about what am I doing walking Mm -hmm. away from football? But I knew um, That the way John was telling me that I could kind of live the life that he was living if I did the things he did I believed it he was my customado and he did tell me that uh, At the time I could beat guys like Rich Gaspari and Lee Labrada and the fact that Samir Banu was mr Olympia in 1983 Chris Dickerson in 82 they were my size that was the validation Beautiful physique I They were telling me, That's, yeah. you can beat those guys. You're yep. going to be that way. And then, yep. of course, by the time I was a senior in 84, Lee Haney won his first Mr. Olympia. Uh, but it didn't deter me. I mean, Lee Haney's 5'10", mm-hmm. 240, 250. Mm-hmm. I still you know, had Tom Platts and Lee Labrada and these guys that were on the shorter end doing the business. If I just kept doing the things I was doing, I would be on my way. When I won the Nationals and got that contract from Joe, I was hooked and sunken in.
1: Uh, let me ask you, say John Brown's not in your ears. Is, is, are you still going to go the path you, you, you ended up going or no?
0: Um, probably not because okay. without him telling me when he first saw me, I could beat Doyle Washington, who was a Mr. America teenager at the time. Um, and uh, and I, mind you, the other guy I saw was Victor Richards, which was on the other end of the spectrum in terms of size. Uh, I had the right guys telling me the right things at the right time. And then when I looked around, I didn't see guys like Arnold and guys like Lee Haney. Mm -hmm. I saw guys like Labrada in 1985. I saw Chris Dickerson at 42 years old, who I looked eyeball to eyeball with, and Samir Banu and and Tom Platts. They were the big names in bodybuilding, and I fit right into that height-wise and and Mm weight-wise. So uh, proportionately, I think I started to believe, John, as an artist, that You know, posing and presentation is everything and you can beat some of these guys on how you show your physique. You don't have to be as big and understanding that as an artist coming from John, that indoctrination that uh, I could outperform them. I could probably beat them. Then I started getting best poser award. Then I started winning the overall awards and I didn't need John at that point. By the time I was 21 years old and won the nationals, I was on my own. It's, It's
1: so interesting when you're saying like if a guy like that wasn't in your ear, you may have been doing something else today Absolutely.
0: right i, I probably would have went back to football i was the
1: hurt the power of somebody being in your ear to say sean i believe one day you can compete with these big guys and uh, be able to hang with any of these guys that are up on the stage the power of that it's so uh, 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 when you look back and you talk to a lot of guys and almost every one of them that goes and competes at a high level somebody in their life said i believe you can be xyz it's almost like somebody painted a picture of a Uh, You didn't believe you can be that person, but they painted it and you said, you know what, I'm gonna go for this thing over here that somebody else sees.
0: You gotta remember, the guy that's telling me this, he's got like two Mercedes, he's flying all around the world, he's speaking German, he's making deals in Paris, he's a a student of Serge Nubray. He's friends with a lot of the people that I see in the magazines. Mm-hmm. We walk into World's Gym, and he's over there talking to Bertel Fox. You know, he's talking with Tom Platts. He's, he's, you know, rubbing elbows with Mike Christian. These are all the guys that are in the magazines that I want to be in one day. I saw the finish line. So for me to see the finish line as a teenager made me a little bit more focused. Uh, I didn't need to be at the after parties after the football games. I didn't need to be running the streets. I needed to be ready for that next workout that John was preparing me for.
1: So so you had an older brother, did everybody know it's kind of like when you went to high school, don't mess with Sean because his older brother's going to whoop you or tell. Was it like that kind of a culture or it, no? It,
0: no, it wasn't. I mean, mind you, I come from a lily white, orange county. I mean, there was probably five black guys. Uh, I was the only one in my graduating class, I believe, on the football team. So it, we were all athletes, and nobody was picking on me or my family, for that matter. You guys had a reputation. Was we, it like the Ray an, boys or an, Ray yeah, family? We had an athletic reputation. My brother Reggie was a three-time letterman in in track and field, basketball, and football. My brother Chuck was like the strongest black kid. Period. He was like, and he had a very short fu- fuse. He was a fighter. Uh, got kicked off the football team he had his a short senior fuse. year. Yeah, he wouldn't take no crap from nobody. But where we came from, there was no really, I didn't experience much racism coming up. And I think my sports superseded all that. I was good at the athletics. I didn't have time to get in trouble. So uh, they didn't treat me any different and I didn't feel any different, but yeah. I was always the leader. I was the captain, I was the MVP. Uh, and I Even excelled. amongst the
1: brothers or no? Amongst brothers? I was uh. the
0: youngest of eight. We had a mixed, a blended Brady Bunch family. Mm-hmm. My dad had three kids when he met my mom. My mom had two kids when he, she met my dad. Then we had one, two, and three in a row. Um, where are you on that? I'm the you? last. So the, my brother's one year older, my sister's yeah. two years older. Last of the eight or last of the first? The last of the, the, last of the eight. or oh, last of the <laughs> eight. Well, they had all those mistakes. They Seven times trying to get it right. <laughs> they got it right. They, they say, all right, we got this when we're done. Now, so, your parents,
1: personality-wise, how yeah. are, they? are I'm,
0: they? I'm the son of a janitor. Right. Um, you know, And at the time, uh, when I was in school, grade school, I think it was more for me a, of an embarrassment. Uh, my dad would work those odd hours, and, and when i get up for school and go to the to the store with my friends. My dad would be in the parking lot, sleep at the wheel because he's coming back from work and we're starting our day. Um, my dad would, he wore these overall, painter overalls when he did his janitorial stuff and it would always be dirty and just, he always, I always saw my dad, he's always dirty and I just kind of thought, man, dad, you're changing, you're embarrassing me, go, go get in the bed. And uh, you know, I would run for 150 yards, 200 yards and come home and I'd be washing windows the same night. Um, when I got into high school, it was tough because my friends would be going to the beach on Saturday, Mm -hmm. I'm going to wash windows, clean toilets, um, and then it, it taught me something that I got to be better than that. I want to be better than my dad and naturally through watching my dad struggle through those years of, I don't even, I don't think it was a struggle for him because he worked till he died. He died in 2010. Um, for me, I wanted something better and I think my drive came from the fear of cleaning toilets and washing windows wasn't beneath me and the people that do it I have a total uh, affinity for I see them all the time in the places Mm -hmm. that I travel Mm -hmm. in going through the airports you know I I make sure I recognize those people because that was my dad and now that my dad's gone it's even more that I'm aware of that we walk into a nice building first thing my dad's looking at is the floors and the windows and he's he's pointing out all the stuff that people just walk by and just gloss over but it felt very redeeming for me to move out of the house uh, to get my first car which was a corvette uh, to be able to buy my dad lunches and dinners and to be able to not have to work for my dad and there did come a time where we bumped heads and i was like i'm not doing it no more i'm not i can't i'm not i gotta sleep i gotta train and when i was coming up in high school eat sleeping and training he he looked at that as a hobby Uh, by the time i started getting paid for it i had to remind him it was a career and we we had some friction what age
1: was that when you had friction probably about
0: 22 i just i I started feeling my manhood and i was on the verge of buying a house and i i I had to stand up and say look you got to find some employees i'm not doing it but everyone in my neighborhood worked for my dad all the family worked for my dad now i'm at a point where i'm making my own money i don't have to work for my dad and i don't need my dad to tell me what to do so i did go through this phase like look man i'm self-made now this is me this was not from you How long did that last? The friction. Probably uh, when I bought my house. Ultimately, I bought my house in '91, and my dad was there from the beginning to the end to help me through that process because that's a major Mm -hmm. step. I think I was 22, 23 years old, and uh, it, it felt good to see my dad pull up in the driveway, you know, and and knock on the door and and see that this sweat equity that I put in the gym, this did this, you know, and I never looked down on my dad. My dad did his janitorial work until he died. Uh, if, if anything, I tried to lift my dad up in a lot of ways that he, I, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't take any money from mm-hmm. me. So I made sure he, he ate- wouldn't take any money I from made you. sure he ate at the nice steakhouses. I made sure that- uh, So a proud man. Th- very proud, because I would hear it from other people. Oh, I saw your dad and he was saying this. I hear about my life story from people that my dad was talking to. Um, so I, I, it was for me becoming a professional bodybuilder was something to make my dad proud, but it was also something that I was fearful of becoming a janitor. Was he also, was he also? He was asking, yeah. uh, He was also, Everybody thought my dad was like a bodybuilder, but that's where you got to give credit to genetics. My mom, just the opposite, CPA, engineer. Uh, we always said, how did you and dad wind up having these kids? You know, it's like, he's totally the Mm -hmm, opposite. mm -hmm. But they, you know, 18 years of marriage, they got divorced when I was 17 years old and I was pretty much on my way as a bodybuilder at the time. And uh, always when, after that, after the divorce happened, my mom got remarried, we were always a family unit around the holidays. So I came from a very stable family with both the work ethic of a blue collar toilet cleaner in the mind of an accountant, which was my mom's CPA. That's powerful.
1: That's a a very uh, good combination, right? Because you're getting the hard work, and you know, like, you you can use the hard work to advance, but also you can use your brains, put them together. You you are who you are. Absolutely. And by the way, I was talking to Ron from Muscular Development, and uh, we were doing, I was a guest on his podcast yesterday, and he says, in my experience, there are two types of people that end up doing well in bodybuilding. One is the kid that grew up, and he was bullied. Mm-hmm. And this person has a point to prove so they go into bodybuilding. He says they don't typically win, but they do go into bodybuilding. Sure. He said the other one is somebody that was an athlete, and they were already an athlete, they were playing sports, and then they went into bodybuilding, yeah. similar and I, to well, you. it's
0: one of those things where you find out what you want to do at, at a younger age, you typically can get there faster. Mike Tyson wanted to be a heavyweight champion of the world at 15, 16 years old, he got there when he was 20. So your
1: edges finally got sooner.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I knew what I wanted. As soon as I made up my mind at 17 yeah. that that's what I wanted to do, nothing came into my life that was going to d- dissuade that. And the su- immediate success I was having, like I had with football, was validation that I was on the right path. Now, mind you, I'm a unicorn. There's John Brown, who made his bones over in Europe, and, and mm-hmm. not a lot of people mm-hmm. knew who he was. Mm-hmm. And then there was me. I didn't have anybody to look to to compare notes with. I had to make the pil- pilgrimage to Gold's Gym and read the magazines and be – pretty much self-taught. John knew how to train, did not know How did diet. John find you, by the way? He, I walked into his gym that he was training at, and he thought I was training for a show. Next thing you know, I became his training partner. Uh, I should say punching bag. I probably threw up and quit more with John the first six months of working out than at any given time. But my ability not to want to be a quitter continued to bring me back, mm-hmm. made me a better yeah. athlete.
1: Were you, know? you, were you uh, uh, I watch you in interviews, and I watch how you talk, and I watch you know, whether it's, uh, you know, calling certain bodies and what they look like. I'm going to tell you what you look like. You, you, you don't look that good. You can't sure. compete. Her. So you kind of are, uh, you know, you are the way you are. And I also see you in uh, press conferences that you guys are doing, Mr. Olympia, and you're kind of sharing your opinion about the judge, and you're going back and forth with the lady, and, you know, she's, she's the new judge. Well, the seven judge, all this stuff. So we'll, we'll go through that here in a minute. Mm-hmm. Were you always a guy that didn't, and maybe you can correct me here, didn't necessarily uh just bow down to authority were you always like that was that a part of your dna or did you become that
0: you gotta remember i mean i chose bodybuilding it didn't choose me Mm -hmm. like i didn't just stumble into it i i what you saw is what i made you hear a lot of athletes say i got my trainer and i got my girlfriend and i got these people john brown introduced me to bodybuilding i became the bodybuilder so whatever success i got it's it's mine whatever failures i've had i own it we all get introduced to something but we don't necessarily get mentored through all the process. Nobody was walking through the contracts. I didn't, I had to come up with my own valuation on what I would charge for guest posing, what I would charge for an appearance, a seminar, um, where I'm gonna determine where I'm gonna fly, what hotel I'm gonna stay in. These are things you don't get taught. You know, I mean, now you have trainers that are trying to help you out with that kind of stuff. At the time I came up, um, I chose to be a bodybuilder. I put my art up there, I consider it an artistry, and I let the judges judge it. When the contest is over, you know, I, I'm my own person. There was no one going to tell me what to do, how to eat, how to train, or, or what political game I needed to play. And I had the favor of Joe Weeder. Joe Weeder actually liked the idea that I was vocal, independent, and self made. And he made sure that I stayed true to that. Don't let anyone take that away. So my biggest adversary, like Muhammad had Howard mm-hmm. Cosell, yep. I had Wayne D'Amelia, who happened to be the president of the IFBB at the yep. time. Uh, I could push Wayne's buttons at any given moment because he can't. I don't have a contract with Wayne. I had a contract with Joe Weider. It doesn't get any higher than that. Joe's name is on my checks. That's the guy that I need to make sure I have the relationship with, and I always had one with Joe. Wayne, I didn't. And I was very contentious with Wayne because my argument wasn't for Sean Ray. When you saw me in the magazines complaining, and a lot of them said I was bitching, um, a lot of the bodybuilders, oh, Sean's got something to say you're not hearing me talk about me. I'm Mm -hmm. talking about fairness for salaries. I'm talking about uh, the rotation of judges. I'm talking about the equity of athletes being paid on stage. My argument and my fight was always for the betterment of the sport, which Joe could appreciate, which is why I never got uh, a a reduction in salary. I never got suspended. I had a 17 year deal with Joe. His brother Ben uh, liked the idea that I was verbal and vocal. And so they liked it. Why did they like it? What part I, of it did they like? They, they liked the idea of, that I was a good-looking black guy. and They reminded me that I was black, Joe and Ben. First of all, let me ask you this. Who pays Wayne's salary? It was coming from the Did the He worked for Joe Wieders. So the let me get this straight. Federation so Wayne
1: works for Joe,
0: but Joe likes the fact that you're calling out Wayne in public. Everybody was under Joe. Now, mind you, Ben ran the IFBB. And they hired Wayne to do all of the pro, pro bodybuilding division. <laughs> but yeah, they definitely didn't have a problem with me confronting Wayne on issues and speaking my mind. They encouraged it. Stand up for yourself. Uh, and knowing I can have that power, I could go up to Wayne. If I'm saying the right, if I'm in the right place, I can say whatever I wanted to Wayne, unfiltered. And he, and he had to respect it. I called him out in, in public. Uh, and, and changing the judges, having transparency with scoring, that stuff wasn't off limits but it was stuff that needed to be talked about in public. What is a press conference for, if not a place for change? This is where the change needs to be initiated. Mm-hmm. And so my press, I took the, the press conference to another, another level. Most bodybuilders are brain dead. Nothing to say, let's just get on with the show. But if we're gonna have a change, this is where this conversation needs to take place. So Wayne wasn't a guy that would call you up and say, well, what do you think we can do to make it better for you athletes? He would wait till the press conference and none of the athletes would have anything to say. So for me, this is where we light the fuse. So, you know, they say an enemy of an
1: enemy is a friend and Mm -hmm. a friend of an enemy is an enemy. So who liked Wayne out of all your competitors? Who had a good relationship with Wayne?
0: Maybe Paul DeLette maybe I mean it's a very it's a very small list of people How about how about the guy like did Ronnie have a good relationship with Wayne I don't think Ronnie had a relationship with Wayne Wayne was more of a dictator okay his way or the highway he didn't ask you what we're gonna do he told you what we're gonna do and I if I, if I didn't like what he was saying I'd call him on it uh, because at the end of the day he has to answer to Joe and Ben and those were the people I was dealing with
1: now Wayne doesn't own any of the brand no he he's just an soul. employee
0: he was an employee he worked out of the the New York office and and like to dictate you know it's a, a power tripper and I knew that I was on the West Coast I could drive to Joe's office and, and talk to Joe specifically to get things done which is why Joe admired me because uh, I never left uh, I didn't get didn't my didn't get my check and disappear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I made sure that he knew who he was giving his money to. You
1: never had issues with Joe ever. Absolutely none.
0: Never. And you never called him out. You never had any no because Joe was, Joe. You're not gonna find anybody. Well, you might find Frank Zane. You might find Robbie Robinson. There's a few guys that feel that Joe took advantage of him, But Joe gave you opportunity, and if you weren't smart enough and savvy enough to see where you fit in, um, then. You can you can consider it in hindsight that he's taking advantage of you. But look, nobody knows who you are without Joe Weider. Mm-hmm. You're in Joe's magazine. Yep. He's giving you a platform. Yep. So you got to determine your valuation on what you're worth. If you're getting these protein ads and you're on the cover of the magazine and in hindsight you felt you should have been paid, you should put it in writing.
1: So today, who is Wayne today and who is Joe today?
0: So I would have to say that there is no Joe Weider. There's no replacing Joe. I mean, AMI is running the machine. The pro league, Jim Mannion, is the godfather of the industry. He was there under the tutelage of Joe and Ben. Um, everyone has immense respect for Joe uh, for Jim Mannion. Um, everyone every, does. Every, Jim Mannion runs a very tight ship. Uh, they've literally the NPC worldwide started two years ago. They have over 200 countries involved already. Um, I think he's picked up the ball and ran with it because clearly there's no replacing Joe and there's no replacing Ben. Uh, I know that people that are running the industry now, people like Dan Solomon, people like uh, Angelica that's underneath him helping out, El Gundy coming on strong with Muscle Contest. I'm looking at some of these people that I I grew up with that are now being elevated Mm -hmm. that have the pedigree to keep the machine going. Uh, Some of the older guys are passing the torch. Wayne D'Amelia is out, Joe and Ben are gone, Jim Mannions brought his son his grandson Tyler up into the mix. We are in a very good place right now. I think we're we're in a better place right now than we were under the leadership of Wayne D'Amelia. And Wayne DeMilia was he helped found the whole thing back with, with Ben and Joe. But there's a different type of distribution of power. There's nobody power tripping. As a matter of fact, there's more opportunity now to make a living out of the Olympia brand than at any other time in bodybuilding. I've, I've heard a few people say, oh, you know, they're not not—they're not doing this for me or that for me. They're, they never did. This is a business like boxing. You get from it what you put yeah. into it. There's no contracts like there were before. Joe Weider used to have 15, 30 athletes under contract, and we all were kind of told mm-hmm. what to do and when to do it. Now you have this individual opportunity of using the platform that if you can get to the Olympia, um, you get this platform where you have the worldwide recognition. You have your own social media that you can control your own brand. Um, if you do well, you're at the top of the food chain, you can command more money. If you have the ability to negotiate, ability to market, um, ability to travel. Some of these guys are at the top of the food chain and they're not even leveraging half of their opportunities. Most of these bodybuilders aren't even guest posing anymore. Um, I remember when Lee Haney uh, won the Olympia mm-hmm. and Samir won the Olympia. You can go to any show in the country and find somebody guest posing somewhere. The majority of these top athletes don't guest pose because they don't get in shape. They don't want to stay in shape in the offseason. Um, I believe right now Phil Heath has seven Mr. Olympia championships. I know he had some surgery that he overcame. But I don't believe on any level right now he'll be on a guest posing stage. A Mr. Olympia typically can get between five dollars and $10,000. I believe Phil at his, at his peak was probably getting $15,000 in certain countries. I don't know any bodybuilder from the 90s or even the 80s that would turn their nose up at a $5,000 guest posing fee, you know, you're know you talking two minutes on stage to show the world an 80% physique. And you're saying that's what's happening today? What's happening today, these bodybuilders don't want to pose, because with social media, you're posing fat and out of shape, it can ruin your brand. Um, some athletes feel like, you know what, I don't need to pose, I'm, I'm, I'm making more money over here and there, uh, and they don't do it. A Kai Greene, for example, he hasn't competed in three, maybe mm-hmm. four years, he's a guy that's out there making good use of his time and his physique. He doesn't have to compete, but yet he still guest poses here and there. I don't know. Uh, Brandon Curry, he's doing a very good job as Mr. Olympia representing. I haven't seen Sean Roden. I haven't seen Phil Heath <clears throat> in probably two years guest posing. That would never happen when I was coming up. Even Dorian Yates at 300 plus pounds would guest pose, and people could see. This is Mr. Olympia. Dorian Yates was guest posing. Yeah, Dorian Yates when he was when he was Mr. Olympia, you could go and see D- Dorian Yates that pretty was, much. Wasn't
1: either. he known as a guy that you couldn't see his body? Uh, until he would show up in September. No. You're kinda no, like, you kind of like, you know, you had it the was a FIBO. Surprise. FIBO
0: would take place in April in Germany, and yeah. every year he'd be there, one of the biggest guys. Um, he wouldn't do so much here in the States. He had an outlet over in New York. He's good friends with Bev and Steve Weinberger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you can see Dorian Yates during his reign as Mr. Olympia guest posing. You don't see it today. So he, let me
1: ask you this Are you now, are, what is your role now with Mr. Olympia?
0: So I don't really have a role. you got to remember, my first Olympia was 1988. Mm -hmm. I have never missed that contest, whether as a competitor, a sponsor, a commentator, or even a fan. And so it's 32 years of Olympia. I've watched it grow till what it is today. Um, Last year I was commentating. I do the World Wide Web broadcast, which puts me in a a very unique place. Obviously, with 14 years of experience of the Olympia and, and 32 years of not missing it, I pretty much know what I'm looking at, I know who's come up the ranks, I see guys' careers come up and retire. Um, and I'm an analyst, I, I host the Arnold Classic amateur competi- competitions, I'm an MC all around the world for the NPC and the IFBB Pro League. Uh, the Olympia I continue to promote, I'm a missionary for bodybuilding, uh, just like Ben Weider said he was. Uh, I, I'm an analyst. so. Either I'm bringing sponsors to the show, I'm hosting hosting events. Last year I hosted the reunion of past Ms. Olympia champions because now the Ms. Olympia is coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, very quietly, I might add. It's coming back and people need to pay attention to that because it's been gone for about five or six years. So we had a reunion through Wings of Strength and Jake Wood, and I hosted that and we brought in Kiki Ioma and all these other women bodybuilders uh, that we interviewed on the stage. This year, I'll obviously be doing the color commentating. And we break down all the athletes. But
1: I, what I'm asking is, is Mr. Olympia at all paying
0: you for anything? Are you a consultant of Mr. Olympia? I, I get paid for my work that I do for the Olympia. And I promote the Mr. Olympia through my social media. I got it. So I'm, so, I'm the editor-in-chief of Digital Muscle, so I promote the, the IFBB Pro League and the Olympia through so that. So for
1: full disclosure, based on what you're saying, this is what I'm interpreting. Mm-hmm. And, and call me out if it's off. And, and tell me if this makes sense or not so the Sean Ray of 94 mm-hmm. okay the Sean Ray of 96 99 whatever those years are 94 right. 96 you know what 94 96 is sure for everybody knows what those two years are yeah you know with the left <laughs> bicep I mean Sean could be a two-time he could be a 4 time right I mean if you really uh, and a lot of people would agree with that including your haters mm-hmm. they would also agree with that you that could be a two-time he could be a four-time sure but but uh, you were very much of a vocal guy of how you felt the judging was not all that was going sure. on sure and you were almost pushing a little bit of the brand of what things they need to do for the politics Absolutely. Side. You sound like you're more defending it today. No, you, I'm not
0: defending it. Defi- When's the last Olympia you went to? The last I went to, I don't know, t- nine years ago, okay. 10 years ago. So, so I haven't missed any of them. So I've witnessed it. I think Sean Ray, the competitor was fighting for equal rights for everyone. I was like the Martin Luther King of bodybuilding at that time. I wanted more pay, more judging, transparency. Um, I wanted the order of events changed. When I was doing it, we walked out in the symmetry round and stood Mm -hmm. there. Me standing next to Dorian, Paul Dallet, and Kevin Levroni, I look like a wallflower because I'm the smallest of the bunch. This is the first look the judges would get. I switched that around to the first thing that the judges would see in the fans is one bodybuilder, one at a time. We walk out. We hit our eight mandatory poses. Boom. Next guy comes on. So that the first thing that they saw was us at our best. We're pumping up backstage, we come out, we flex instead of stand there for 45 minutes and deflate. So we hit the eight mandatories one at a time and then you can bring bring us back and you can make your comparisons based on what you saw. Because I come alive when I pose, but for many years I came out and I stood there. So You're I argued flat, for that. You don't have the full. I'm pumping up backstage. I'm, uh, right. This is the biggest day of my life. I'm going to go stand there for 45 That's minutes right. before you when ask me. When did they to change that, by the way? Uh, we had that change, I believe it was like 97 okay. or 98. It, was, yeah. it took a while, but I, I lobbied for that. Uh, then when I retired, I wanted to be the athlete's rep because I still was very passionate about some things that weren't being done properly. The transparency, the money distribution, um, and the judging uh, situation. And so I ran for athlete's rep, and naturally Wayne D'Amelio was the pre- acting president. They didn't want an athlete representative in there. He made me go and get the majority of signatures from the registered athletes, which I got. Craig Titus said I forged his signature. Later on he recanted and backed off of that, but that's a whole other animal they were being told that it wouldn't be good to have an athlete's representative. Well, who's telling them? The people that are running the industry. They didn't want me in there you know, looking at what's going on for the betterment of yeah. the bodybuilders. But nonetheless, I became the athlete's rep. When they changed the time on a meeting that I was supposed to attend, that's when I just quit. Oh, one? I, uh, oh, three. Okay. I quit that and then I, of course I, I said, you know what? I moved on, I got married, started my family. Suddenly bodybuilding and the things that were happening in bodybuilding weren't as important but I was still representing supplement companies still doing seminars still making appearances but I didn't really have the passion to defend the athletes that are not willing to stick their neck out for change
1: aka Phil Heath like because you uh, undertoned you kind of talked about him a little bit like five minutes ago right so are you saying like somebody like Phil Heath could have done more for A the lot sport? of those
0: athletes could have done more for themselves. If you're if you're doing well, you're Mr. Olympia, you're doing well without having to rock the boat. Ronnie Coleman was in a, in a press conference where he says, listen, I was last. I didn't complain. I was this. I didn't complain. I blah, 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 why complain? Well, when you're getting the lion's share of everything, the six-year contract with Weider on his first Olympia, he got a six-year contract, right? Um, you're getting that $100,000 payday and you're getting the $10,000 guest posings, yeah, why complain, but you can't turn your eyes to the fact that the guy that's in the Olympia, that's number 11, representing Saudi Arabia, is not gonna get a dime when he leaves here, but he's on the poster, he's representing a country, and he's got legions of fans, and they're selling that. This guy should be getting paid. All of the guys showing up for the Olympia. I guarantee you, in the Super Bowl this weekend, everyone's gonna walk away with money, even the losers, just for making it to the Olympia. I was arguing for that for the mr Linder. so you so if if this was politics mm-hmm. if this was politics
1: and you're running for office you're for the majority it's not necessarily more for the individual is what you're saying so you're for the little guy because based on what you said ronnie uh, he he had eight in a run you went ronnie you went dorian you went to uh, uh, what Phil? is it, Haney, Dorian, and uh, Ronnie, right? Oh, yeah, you went right. through these that, big three guys to face If right. those guys are not around. That's you, you,
0: 22 years of Mr. Olympia, for, for, wait, 22 consecutive years of, of Mr. Mr. Olympia. Olympia. Ronnie had eight, Lee Haney had eight, and Dorian had eight. During my 14-year pro career, uh, I came probably five years too late. A lot of people think I'm sour grapes, but let me tell you something. I had one of the best colorful careers of not winning a show and still being inducted into the bodybuilding hall of fame all at five foot seven 210 pounds i got nothing to complain about i don't think I, anybody takes that away from me. well yeah. a lot of people think with social media you hear a lot of opinions people think i'm sour grapes that i didn't beat dorian nobody beat dorian i mean muhammad ben Aziza, the shortest guy up there yeah. beat him in his rookie year but outside of me no one else beat dorian i was in the conversation argumentatively to beat dorian yates but i didn't hear the same argument for kevin lavroni to beat dorian yates i didn't hear that. Flex Wheeler should have beat Dorian Yates. The controversy was like 94, 96, also 97, Nasser. A couple of times Dorian could have been beat, it's left for debate, but I sleep well at night. I I didn't have to not, it it doesn't take anything away from my career that I didn't win the Mr. Olympia is what I'm saying. I think because I'm healthy, because I didn't tear my bicep, because I didn't lose my leg, because I didn't wind up in a wheelchair, doesn't make me any smarter than those bodybuilders. They did what they had to do. But I was always aware of the finish line. I wanted to be healthy. I wanted to be wealthy, and I wanted to be well traveled. I got all of those things. I didn't get the standout trophy, but I don't lose any sleep over that. So, so, so,
1: 32 years, 88 to 2020, you've never missed Olympia, and you've never missed the uh, Arnold Classic since the first one you went. Never missed one. Okay. Absolutely. So, so, you're a, you're a gamer. You're you're. You're but someone. I'm not a
0: company man. That's what I want to make clear, because you're you're alluding I don't to the, know. You're Hold, a little hold bit. on, hold on. You're alluding to the fact that am I working? I'm. I think I'm working. I'm carrying on the torch that Joe and Ben have. Um, I worked for Muscle and Fitness last year, promoting the Mr. Olympia, which is in their wheelhouse. Yeah. Uh, promoting it in what way? Trying to get more visibility. But then I'm also a witness to what's happening. I witnessed the largest payout in the history of the game. Last year, they raised the prize money for the Miss, uh, all the, the Miss Olympia, the physique, classic physique. Mm-hmm. Every division got a raise, and the Mr. Olympia is $400,000. So I can't complain about the prize money. Uh, if I see any more money coming in, yeah, I'd like it not to go to the top, i like it to feed down to the bottom. And working with somebody like Dan, who I could walk into Dan's office and say, Dan, we gotta do something for the people outside the top 10. Because while they're not winning, they're still lending credence and credibility to this show. We gotta pick up the back end monetarily. Don't give the winner more money because $400,000 is a pretty big payday, but it's also a platform to go out and do other things, develop don't sponsorship. The, don't give the winner more money? It's, well, you know, if you wanna make it a winner-take-all, then why are we gonna have 20 people competing for the Mr. Olympia title? You know, if it's a winner-take-all, then what are we doing with these other guys? We mm. want to, It has to be more inclusive if you're gonna get people coming to that what competition. Do you, think work? do you think capitalism works? It does, but why have so many shows to well, qualify for the Olympia? Well, you're a capitalist. Well, I don't want to go to the show and just watch Brandon Curry stand up there by himself. No, I'm not
1: saying that. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that at all. But do you believe capitalism yes. works? Okay, you know capitalism works. And mm. capitalism typically works because there's a what? There's a guy that's you know, way ahead that pisses off the rest of the guys. Sure. And those guys are willing to go out there and do more. Typically, if you have one person that well, becomes-
0: Well, no, a, it's still a subjective sport of opinion. Like you said, listen, it's I, not a, boxing. You a can't hundred percent. The guy that takes last in the Mr. Olympia may not look like Mr. Olympia, but does just you, as much work.
1: Listen, I mean, look, let, okay, if that's the case, let me just get into this part. I'll play this video for you because I actually agree with what you say here, mm-hmm. and I want to go into this next. So if, if, if Paul, you want to come around here, Okay, this is one of the things I want to go with to see what you'll say about this. And you know this. You brought this up a couple times. Yeah, we have
0: 22 judges that are in rotation. You know which one this is. Nobody's asked the question out of those 22 judges, how many judges judged us last year that will be judging us this year? There's going to be 11 guys that leave this show Saturday night with nothing in their pocket. I mean, somebody needs to address it. Ronnie's not going to complain. He gets the check every year. (laughs) So who are you going to hear from? You're going to hear from me. But certainly, it is 2001 and I'm still being judged by the same people. There are enough people out there, whether the IFBB's got to recruit new judges, we need new opinions to get new looks in bodybuilding. We're not going to continue.
1: And then your buddy, Ronnie response, which they you said to right balanced balanced now yourself, so this balanced is, balanced is going to paraphrase what you said.
0: Nobody ever
1: liked everything somebody else has ever liked. <laughs> in 1992, I didn't place at all in the Olympics. Pretty much what you said. Didn't get a yes. dime. Did get a dollar? I didn't complain. But the moral to the story is: why complain? <laughs> Maybe you'll find out, like a little kid, that complaining ain't gonna really get you nowhere. For where you are now. <laughs>
0: in second place <laughs> which is by the way this is great for the sport absolutely this is, this is great for who, the sport. who doesn't like ronnie coleman i mean that that is classic and typical ronnie coleman mind you here's a guy that came from a very educated background right um didn't get into bodybuilding for the money and if they took the prize money away ronnie coleman would probably be the only one competing for the Mr. olympia title i wouldn't do it for free this is a business uh, and I think that if you're going to leverage other countries, 100% with you. If you're going to leverage other countries and you're going to include Iran or you're going to include Germany or England, it's got to be palatable or we're going to lose that international flavor because you're going to run into a guy like him, Ronnie or Phil, that can run off with the title for six or seven or eight yeah. more years. And we're going to wind up with a show that nobody wants to attend because it's a foregone conclusion. So let me tell you, let me tell you
1: why I played this right now for you. What led me to wanted to play the video now? You said bodybuilding is a very subjective sport right okay. like you know how you're a basketball guy uh jordan wouldn't win an mvp they're like give me a break you got to give it to barkley right you got to right. give it to hakeem or whatever they're giving it to others. everybody knows who's the mvp jordan could have right. won mvp 12 years in a row if you Certainly. really think about it right and lebron could have won way more than the four that he has or some of these guys that are playing shaq could have been a Kobe could have sometimes they do that and it's politics how do you measure mvp you can't measure mvp it's right. also subjective right that's there's true. somebody that's voting for it the judging from 88 to today, mm-hmm. okay? You make a very, very good point. Nothing is more annoying than me putting my body through what I'm putting through to get it to where it's at today. And I have to sit there and hear judges make a decision on my body, and they may not know necessarily if they're judging it the properly or not.
0: How much have you seen judging improve, Mm -hmm. from 88 to where we are today? What's been the evolution? I mean, you gotta remember, I retired because the judging wasn't changing. People said, why did I walk away 35, 36 years old? You could have still gone six more years. That was my final salvo. After that contest, I think you heard me say somewhere in there, don't worry, I've done my homework, I'm not afraid of anybody. Um, Because I knew they couldn't take what I do away. I'm gonna put it on display and the fans are gonna see it, right? but I didn't want to get back up in front of those judges again and be a part of the Ronnie Coleman retirement party four years after I retired because they say he's just too big. I mean, if that's what bodybuilding was coming to, and I think that's why Lee Labrata walked away, uh, we just didn't carry the size, well then what am I doing? I mean, I have other things in life I want to achieve, I have other things to do with my time than beat myself up in a gym and abuse my body because that's what bodybuilding is. You're, you're beating the hell out of yourself. Um, these judges weren't changing and going away anytime soon. Now, I'm, tw- I'm 19 years removed from that press conference. Uh, I'm in a different space. I don't go to a show and analyze how the judges are doing it. When I take my role as an analyst, I see it the way Sean Ray sees it. I put it in the microphone for the world to hear and disseminate. The judges are still gonna make their decisions. Now, before Phil Heath got through with his prejudging, I said Sean Roden was probably gonna win that contest. Before Brandon Curry finished his prejudging, I said we're probably looking at a new mr olympia in brandon curry um that's a big statement when you have phil heath who has seven olympia titles you just got to assume it's a, he can walk in and, and win the show i watched it with ronnie Coleman. Seven i watched years prior it with tonight,
1: did you say he was going to win each one when you saw him or? phil
0: yeah no phil phil's very first pro win was a sean ray classic in colorado i'm not sure if you know that but when we saw that we knew he was something special uh jay cutler acknowledges there was something but spe- i think phil bought into that knowing he was something special, and he was brought along properly. Mm-hmm. He came up the ranks fourth, fourth or fifth. His first Olympia, second, and then he ultimately did what he was going to do. But we, you can see genetics. There's no denying it. Now it just comes down to work ethic. Phil had all of those intangibles coming from a background of, of basketball. Brandon Curry, not so much. Sean Roden is laid back, n- not so much. He had the genetics, but you just know didn't know if he had the work ethic. But you could see that Sean won that competition. Not because he's a better bodybuilder, but because Phil was clearly off. Now, I've heard a lot of people say Phil being off is still better than Sean Roden. The judges did the right thing because I wish they would have done that in my era because we probably would have had several other Mr. Olympias like Kevin LaVroni or Flex Wheeler. But the judges get comfortable with the same thing when they're people that they are friends with, they're comfortable with, and that they're used to. This same group of judges likes chocolate this year, they're gonna like chocolate next year, and they're gonna like chocolate the next year. It's hard to break down that barrier unless you start throwing in some different uh, judges in there. And we're not doing that. Are they doing it now? I don't know, because I don't really, I don't have a horse in that race. You're on the inside
1: now a little bit more. No, what I'm saying,
0: my role is not to analyze who the judging panel is. But you're a voice too. you're not a regular guy. I am an analyst, and there is a difference. At the time, I became the athlete's rep, and I defended the athletes in this time where the athletes did not want to be defended. As a matter of fact, Craig said that I forged his signature. And that's a lie, because I didn't have to do that. And I was voted the athlete's rep, and I quit that job. I had the power right here, and I quit it because of how it was being run under Wayne D'Amelia. Now, I can say what I want to say on based on what I'm looking at. I'm not looking at it through the eyes of a judge. My vote doesn't count, it's my opinion. And like Stephen A. Smith, I'm entitled to my opinion, and I put it out there for the world to decide. But the last three, Last four Olympias, I was spot on, including with Hadi Chupin. Uh, and for that, for that matter, coming into the Arnold Classic, I like Josh Lanarkowitz wants to beat me up because I said he, you know, he had some head surgery, and I said this is probably not what he should be doing right now, regardless of how he looks. If I had a head surgery, I probably wouldn't want to be bodybuilding. At least take a year off. Um, wants to beat me up as a result of that criticism. Sergio Leva Jr. I don't have him in my top six going into the Arnold Classic. So now I'm a whiny bitch. I mean, I can't please the athlete, but I have the ability to speak my opinion. My opinion is not a vote on a judging panel. I, I don't think that's the question. So you said Stephen A. Smith. I'm like Stephen A. Smith. I'm an a- analyst. Yes. Who pays you? I get paid by numerous sources. I'm a sponsored uh, endorser of... Does Mr. Olympia pay you? No, I do not get paid by the Mr. Olympia, except for... AMI? The- I never got a check from AMI. I got a check from Muscle & Fitness last year okay. when I was writing for Muscle & Fitness. I write for... Digital Muscle. I'm the editor. That's of Shape. great to know. And Digital Muscle is the broadcast of the Mr. Olympia weekend. So Jake Wood signs my check. I didn't get a check from. Is it linked to Mr. Olympia or no? No. Uh, Digital Muscle. Prior to Digital Muscle, you had iHerb doing the worldwide broadcast. Prior to that, you had Bodybuilding.com. I worked for those guys. I would get my just like the Arnold Classic. I get my check from Bob Lorimer when I MC the competition. Yeah. When the Olympia rolls around, my check will come from the uh, digital muscle from doing the web broadcast. Last year it came from Muscle Fitness. So there's no NPC, IFBB signature on any of my checks. I get paid by my sponsors, which is um, Real Leader USA, a gym equipment out of China, uh, S-Force Watches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a spokesperson for Protan USA. Uh, and I represent a clothing line, a men's clothing line, Lior Reve. So none of the money that I generate comes from the infrastructure of the industry. This capitalism thing we're talking about, it all comes from the pedigree that I built up as an Olympian. You've always been all over the world business guy in the bodybuilding. But but that's the platform they give you, right? So in that platform, when I heard you say something like, What is the Olympia doing for you athletes? They don't owe us anything. It's just like boxing. Like if you're a boxer Well listen, we're not a union. Hold on. This is not the NFL and it's not the NBA and we don't pretend that you know, when we had Joe Weider, it was a one-stop shop. Everyone in the early 90s, I was part of it, okay. was on the Weider payroll. and We we were the machine, Flex Magazine, Muscle Fitness. Okay. That's gone, Weider was bought by AMI. Now all you have are your supplements, or your clothing lines, or your own individual things that your entrepreneurial skills sure. can develop. Yeah. The, there is no federational check going to anybody. There's no, the IFBB doesn't write a check to anyone except for the winners of the pro competitions. They're not writing, I don't get a monthly check because I'm a, a member of the pro league. I, I don't think I'm debating the part that Phil ought to be
1: doing more stuff to go make money. I don't, I don't think I'm debating, I don't, we're not off there, so yeah. we're not off, and he's working on that right now. He's got a lot of good things that he's working on, the side project. Which was the Olympia
0: make, platform has provided. Right.
1: and Kai green has been able to monetize it probably more than any other bodybuilder in the last five years. A lot minus of guys. Jay Cutler. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jay Cutler is a machine, a, a, he knows how to make money, and yeah. he's a smart guy. But, but I'm, I'm bringing this up to you from a different standpoint. You're saying, you know, what is Mr. Olympia doing for you, okay? I, I'm saying it because I've said it on multiple videos. What is Mr. Olympia brand doing for you? Great. I'm not saying it from the standpoint of, hey, you know, let's make college free. Let's do this free. Let's take care of your bills. Let's pay. I'm not saying that. It's not mm-hmm. what I'm saying to you. What I am saying is there's got to be somebody that sits there and says, like a Joe Weider you're talking about, like a Steinburner, yeah. like a Jerry Buss, like a you know these names that i mentioned i did like, not right. like a craft like these guys are sure. come and say hey let's go do something i'm thinking you got to talk to this guy i know this person over here i want to introduce you to this guy i want right. to introduce you to that guy i would want to have my number one become so flippin successful that the next 22-year-old wants to have that life.
0: No, and I'm 100% with you. However, you're absolutely right. There's there's none of that. So what's the solution for that? You're next, um, you're 32 years. Good. Absolutely. Uh, and I brought that up before uh, talking with Dan Solomon, who's at the top of the Olympia chain, because it seems like when you have the changing of the guard, when you do the same thing, you wind up with the same results. The best thing that could have happened for the Olympia is that they had a changing of the guard. They brought in some new, new people. So with Dan, who is of the same ilk as me, he's got this pedigree with the Pro Bodybuilding Weekly. He was the former editor of the D- Digital Muscle. Mm-hmm. He's now running the, uh, the Mr. Olympia Weekend and putting all these different people in play to kind of build it back up. Last year we had um, Mark Wahlberg as ambassador. This year we have Shaquille O'Neal. Yes. He's not the guy. Okay, because he doesn't have the... Does he know that? He knows that. Because okay. his role is to make sure that when the athletes wind up at the Super Bowl of bodybuilding, they get what they want, which is why I was telling you it's got to have the trickle-down effect with the guys that are coming from these other countries, wherever they're coming from, Japan, China. Mm-hmm. They need to get some reward in order to keep coming back to right. go to the Olympia. Um, we don't have that godfather. If I were looking for that godfather, I'd look towards Jim Mannion. But that's never been his role. He's, he's the president of the NPC and now the expanded NPC worldwide. His grandson Tyler's a little bit too young, 25, 26 years old. He's not the guy. There is no replacing Joe and Ben because you got to consider who's dedicated to this that way. Um, you can't you have, say that, though. Yeah, but who who but, is? But let me explain. I, you. I've been around. I, I know everybody. I am agreeing with. I don't know the world that if there is or
1: there isn't, but I will. I will give you a perfect uh, uh, perspective. Okay. Okay. Oh, oh, you know, Paul, Chris Paul leaves and goes to the Clippers. Okay, they're there, not working out. Donald Sterling, he leaves, he stays. Uh, uh, next guy comes, builds an organization, you know. Doc becomes president, GM. They start winning, good things are happening, players want to go there. Then next, you know, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George decide to go over there. Right. Okay. So, so the, 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 the Clippers is an organization it was owned by a different person mm-hmm. and another guy came in and decided to take it to a different level Understood. and players want to play for him right? right hey i got contacts at microsoft i got contacts over here i got contacts over here and he loves the game he's a cuban look at what mark cuban did a very classy move he made this last week kobe never played for uh, uh what do you call it the mavericks right what does he do he retires uh, jersey number 24 that's maps right. players love playing for this guy right. Dirk nowitzki never wanted to go anywhere else now you got the poor Zangas, and you got this new kid, Luca, who to me one of the most exciting players in the league, wants to play for him. Yeah. And some of the teams, people don't want to play for the owner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then and then you look at some of the other like uh, boxing, and you look at the uh, uh, MMA. I don't know if you follow UFC. I do. Look at Dana White. There was pride. If you remember MMA 15 years ago, it wasn't just UFC. You're right. There was a few other things, and you were kind of watching this. They would let you knee the guy in the face, and UFC didn't. And then they started doing some things, and then he came out with a show called the. What was the show called? Is it Ultimate, Ultimate Fighter? Fighter? Ultimate yeah. Fighter. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, we're like, oh, this is kind of cool. They're living in the same place. They're getting into fights. So take Ultimate Fighter out. Mm-hmm. You mean to tell me UFC would be as big as today? So all I'm saying is, yeah. all I'm saying is, if somebody, if somebody is working on finding a way to turn Sean Ray into a hero, to turn Brandon Curry into a hero, above and beyond what Phil what you, what Brandon, what all these other guys need to do on their own. Right. If somebody does that,
0: you're just giving me a bigger pool
1: of exposure. No, you're, you're right. That's not, what I'm we're, talking about. I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. I, I just it. don't see that happening.
0: Our sport is not at that level. We are, it is still a cult sport. We're not the UFC. We don't have billions of dollars of value. Um, they didn't either 15 years ago. No, and, and you're talking about people, remember Joe Weeder started at 15, he died at 93, and he devoted his life to this. We don't have anybody with that type of pedigree pulling the strings or running the industry. We have some some glimpses of people that have the familiarity. We're living in a time now where the athlete can control the way they look and how they're perceived through their own digital media. Yeah. When I was with Joe Weider, I couldn't talk to another magazine because he owned me exclusively. You wouldn't read a Sean Ray article that I gave you, that would have to come through Muscle Fitness and Flex because I couldn't do it with Iron Man and Muscle Development, they weren't paying me. I was paid to exclusively appear there. Now what you're finding is that, yeah, the magazines may not be what they were, but there's a lot of athletes that they will only get the news on their feed. If you're not following them on Instagram or on their Facebook, you're not going to find out about them. They, they won't do the business of bodybuilding outside of their own social media. Um, getting them to come do a podcast with you, that might be outside the scope of... If they have their own podcast, you know what I'm saying? They want you on their social media. It's numbers because then I can sell it. I can av- sell advertising. Um, there's nobody, in, and we need that. I would love that if we had some school of thought. For example, one of our bodybuilders got in trouble. Uh, and I think a lot of the trouble that he got into was there was no mentorship. You know, you come to the Lakers, you're going to meet Magic Johnson. You would have met Kobe Bryant and they kind of would have showed you the way around the locker room and how business is done as a, as a young, raw talent. You come into pro bodybuilding, you got the best genetics, and you're the future Mr. Olympia. There's no one telling you how to be Mr. Olympia. It's it's baptism by fire, and you can wind up in a, in a lot of hot places like one of our Olympia champions ultimately did because probably didn't have the right mentorship. Um, do we need that? Yeah. Is there someone out there that I can point a finger to in all of my years? There's no one that is out there that's in that position to take that on. I mean, it really is the wild, wild west in bodybuilding because you can't go to Arnold. Arnold's, you know, he's seventies, got a lot of things going on. It's not his passion like Joe's. Joe, Joe had that passion and that passion's gone. And now we don't have anybody like that. So this being a very individualized sport, you got to make. Of it what you can and you take from it what you will jay has no desire either
1: jay uh no
0: I, I mean we're it's such an individual business independent contracting business that jay's all about jay and and can you blame him no not he, at all he, why, why, he yeah. did everything he no. had to do and he, and he probably doesn't even have the relationships with the bodybuilders today that he had when he was competing whose fault is that though well, th- i think we're disjointed now because of social that's media what,
1: but what but no i don't think it's social media because social media is also brought a lot of people together. Sean, if you think
0: about it, social media has also uh, brought a lot of people together. You go back It's also to- divided a lot of people because you get blocked and deleted and you but say I, the wrong I, thing, I, you I, put I, up the wrong- I put up a picture of me and Dorian Yates standing relaxed and I yeah. actually look better than him. And had a bunch of his fans come on here, block the lead, block I actually delete. I think that's a good thing. That shows <laughs> loyalty for him, and that shows uh, you know some of the people that probably
1: came and said good things about you. You take Twitter out, the current president's not president. Right. You take Facebook and YouTube out. Barack Obama's not a two-term senator. You know, you take social media out. There's it's a, a powerful lot, tool. There, it's a powerful tool. It's how you use the tool. People can say stuff they want to say about weapons, sure. about a lot of different TVs. For some, oh my gosh, look at the TV. Look at Elvis Presley. The way he's moving his hips. Our girls are gonna have sex with everybody now. Right. They're gonna do. I know. I have. Drugs Girl, dancer, yeah. so, singer. You know these things yeah. go, but you know you sit there and you. Some of the worries: it's how do you use the great equalizer of social media? To me, I think social media is a big advantage
0: to Mr. Olympia if they do it properly. Well, when you start talking about the athletes, the athletes are so divided, so dispersed, and so individualized. Bring them together. Well, I mean, you, when you start bringing them together, everybody wants to be paid for their time, right? So if I'm working for you, put me on the payroll. That's pretty much the attitude of now, a lot of body bodybuilders. I Here's
1: how, if I brought all of you guys together, I'm not telling you I'm, I'm going to put you on the payroll. Here's what I would say. So listen, guys, let's look at the, a, a model. Put parallels on models together, right? What's the other model? UFC. Let's look at the UFC model. Right. UFC model took viewers away from boxing. Yeah. There were people that followed boxing that became UFC fans, me, right? I'm one of them. So yeah, me too. They mm-hmm. pulled away from it, right? Now, boxing... There is no Don King today. The right. only biggest promoter today is Mayweather. It ain't mm-hmm. even anybody that's Bob, you know, right. the, the, just those promoters are not all well. Okay, so if I bring you guys in and say, "Listen, guys, here's what we want to do. What do we want to do? This is our numbers. Here's what we did. Here's our revenues. This is pay-per-view. Here's how much we sold here. Here's how much we sold here. Here's how much yeah. we sold here. If there is a way for us to get the numbers here, this is what we could do. I can't pay you salary. Right. I can't pay the numbers. Now, here's what happens next. All of a sudden out of the 15 people that are in there, what do eight of them do? They say, screw you, Mm -hmm. I don't wanna do it. You pay me now, I don't do anything. No problem, we totally understand. We hope you can help us. Out of the seven that's in, three, four of them say, okay, let's do something about this. Mm -hmm. Then we run. You're not expecting to get everybody. You're not ever gonna get everybody. But you
0: still have to, you're coming from a place where the bodybuilders think there's something wrong. And I'm telling you, to to a man, they're in it for themselves. I mean, to try to bring that unity together, I mean, you, you got to be talking about the bottom feeders that are I, getting absolutely nothing because most of these guys have found a way to monetize their social media. They pick and choose when they want to compete. Their trainers tell them when they can and cannot compete. Yep. So we are still on this diverse uh, road to nowhere in terms of unity. There is no unification because, again, you don't have athlete representation. But what I will say, and this is not a company, man, not missing the Olympia in 32 years. It's bigger than it's ever been. The prize money is in is terms it? of attendance, in terms of prize money, in terms of participation. And now they're adding another division. More
1: attendees in, the, in absolutely. The last so Did more people coming now than 32 years ago.
0: I would like to invite you this year, just so you, you can see it. I was there. I mind you, I'm there in this packed arena, right. sold out, um, standing room only, and people were still trying to get tickets on the 11th hour at the finals. And that's because I think they realized there's number one going to be a new Mr. Olympia, but. AMI still has the publicity machine of their you know, uh, magazines and publications that yeah. they have. Uh, they've reached out across the board with like Mark Wahlberg and other big personalities. Like well, which Shaquille by the way, I
1: love, I love that move that they're yeah. making with that. It was but obviously while, Rock, then
0: Mark, and now Shaq. Yeah, and, and so when people are talking about the Olympia may be rivaled by Shaq. Let me just put in perspective or by The Rock. That's an addition. That's not a competition. The Olympia is this, and the Athleticons is going to be that, and they're working in concert with each other all under the umbrella of the IFPB Pro League. There hasn't been a bigger Mr. Olympia contest that was attended than last year. The prize money has never been bigger than last year. So when people say it's it's diminishing, you gotta remember, I think the Mr. Olympia, the bodybuilding side yeah. may not be as competitive, but it was a full lineup. Uh, you were missing who? Big Ramy, you're missing Phil Heath, and you're missing Sean Roden, you're missing Kai Green. And yet. That's still a lot. That was a lot of people That's missing. It's like an all-star yet, game
1: without LeBron, without Giannis, it was And it was, and was
0: still a sellout. And guess what? The people still showed up for the show. So we didn't need them. Yeah and what I'm saying and, and that was Dan Solomon's first run at promoting the show what happens 2 to 3 years down the road when there's other things added like I said the Miss Olympia is being added back in um, the classic physique seems to be taking on a life of its own you've got James Flex Lewis coming back to do the open after winning seven uh, 212 titles that's going to make that open division interesting Hottie chupin's coming back he was third a lot of people had him even over william bonet the there's a challenge there if he gets the visa but it's That's anticipation that people can build up on a a competition for. Not to mention, there's still the X factor, does Phil Heath come back or not? People are waiting. He hasn't said yes or no, but I tell you what, this is a contest that you have to plan in advance.
1: You have to plan in advance, but someone needs to call and say, what do we need to do to get you back? Who, Phil? So Phil... No, no, no. Someone from the brand needs to call Phil and say,
0: what do we need? Wow! Well, listen, I'm I'm a, I'll tell it like it is. I love Phil. Yeah. The brand is doing just fine. They don't need Mr. Oh, they don't need listen, that, the though. Olympia does not need I, Phil. Heath to it. make the Mr. I, Olympia. I'm not saying that. Of course it but, doesn't. I'm not saying Phil has to make himself of it. Did but, Phil but go to the Olympia last year, by the way? You, let me give you that. Did, did Phil go to the Olympia last year? Did Phil what? Did Phil go to the Olympia competition? I don't think he did. I don't think he did either. Okay. I can tell you that unequivocally. If I was in that Olympia, As many times as he was, and I watched everyone he was in, from fifth place to second place to the seven-year first uh, Olympias, and then the last one, the runner-up. He should have been the one handing the trophy to the guy. I mean, Phil should have called them. Phil, uh, I don't know that anybody has. It's like, but 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 you got but Sean. Okay, hear me out. Who's to say that they didn't call him? Okay, let's just say let's just say they did not. Okay, how can he miss that contest? That's how passionate I'm. Like, I never won it, but I never miss it. How can he sit at home? and watch the competition that made him who he is. I mean, he must have had something more Sean, important. Sean,
1: you, you're quick to forget with the fact that you were calling out judges event after event after event. And noon. I never now missed a contest not, in 32 years. But, but I understand that but you're in a completely different position than he is. This is a guy that... I know, but he, as Mr. Olympia, you would think that... As Mr. Olympia seven times, you would sh- think that the brand would be reaching out to say, we're grateful for so you you know. Well.
0: So you know, someone did call him to find out whether or not he was coming. He had other things to do. You gotta know the whole scope of the story. Two, so, two. I, was Phil waiting for the Mr. Olympia to fly a private jet out for him to come and sit in the audience? How sensitive are
1: you? I'm not sensitive. Sean, you're sensitive.
0: I, in terms of what? What do you mean? You're com- of course you're gonna be sensitive. A crazy
1: competitor that pays attention to the details, to the body, you're sensitive because you're a perfectionist. I'm not, not sensitive from the standpoint. something, I don't have a
0: horse in the race. I, I don't have a I, horse but, in this but, race. But,
1: but anybody, anybody that competes at the highest level, one of their gifts they have, mm-hmm. is they're a little bit more uh, uh, sensitive to details than others, oh, where okay. other people. I'm not saying it I from get the it. side of your your weaker sense. I'm okay. actually using it as a compliment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got guys in the t- tomorrow. I'm doing my annual virtual gala. Okay, yeah. there's gonna be eight thousand people watching. Okay, yesterday we just sent out nearly 10, 000, 1099 checks around the nation. Forty nine says we got insurance agents, so I'm sending these checks to people. I did my convention six months ago at uh, Mirage. We have President Bush there, Kobe Bryant there, we had Jordan Peterson, all these guys at the event. We're doing the next one at MGM Grand Arena. We shut down the place for four days, we're hosting an event. Special people are gonna be at this event.
0: Right.
1: These guys are work, who work their asses off, they sell on Saturdays, they sell on Sundays. Mm-hmm. They're running appointments on Saturday night. They're running that additional appointment on Friday night while him and the you know, husband and wife can go have dinner, they choose to go do another sale to sell an annuity or sell another insurance policy and protect another family. 11 o'clock, you're done, you come home, you can't go watch a movie, you're tired, you go to sleep, boom, the next day, right? This is stuff that you got to do. This is stuff you got to do. And one of the things I told our guys when we started the company, and I've said this to them every month when I do my staff meeting, Mm -hmm. very important here. I've said it every month. The sales team is king. I do specific training, Sean, to tell them how to speak to a lions. Right. Today we gave a girl a promotion. She's gonna have a job, she's gonna be doing something that's very important. She got a promotion today. At a 45 minute meeting with her, and her our CO was sitting, all these people were sitting. I said, listen, do you know how to speak to lions? And we went through it. I said, here's what you gotta realize about lions. <coughs> they're wired differently. Right. They're demanding, they're emotional, they're sensitive. Well, I understand. They're upset. Yeah, yeah. You can't I can't sit there and say, oh, you're upset at me. It's your fault. Yeah. I can I can understand the part if a guy is lazy, if yeah. a guy goes and does ecstasy every night and right after a show he goes and hooks up with six girls and is just partying and that's all he cares about and he's using bodybuilding as a form to be able to rack up more girls and right. all this, but that's not this guy. This yeah, is a I, I, guy, so, so all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, if a, if a Sean Ray of 03 or 01, when was this? O one this? 01. If a Sean Ray is ticked off and you're kind of pissed off and you're a demanding guy, you're a sensitive guy, you're annoyed, you're sinner. Of course, as sure. a part of it that you're talking about the other guys, but of course a big part of it is also you. You want to be a Mr. Olympia, you've given since 1988 to it. All I'm saying is the brand cannot say we're bigger than a seven time Mr. Olympia, well, even though it's right. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling you it's not. I'm right. not
0: saying that they said that. What I'm what I'm saying from my cheap seat, okay? The Olympia will go on whether you have a seven-time Olympia sitting in the front row That's or sitting arrogant. at home. No, it's not arrogant. What I'm saying is there's always been an open-door policy. Um, if Mr. Olympia is waiting for the Federation, who doesn't write him a check. He was with Weider. Or, yeah, he was sponsored by Weider. Weider let him go and he won a couple Olympias after he, his Weider contract was over. If you're waiting for a phone call for an invitation to a contest of that magnitude when you actually know the promoter um and you could say hey i need five tickets i need 10 tickets i want to have a booth all of that stuff you you, i can't sit at home and wait for my phone to ring you got to be proactive are you kidding me the olympia was bigger and better than it's ever been even though phil wasn't there all i'm saying is it's bigger than any bodybuilder it's an institution i i don't dispute that let's say you're right let's say you're right Mm -hmm. let's
1: say you're right colin kaepernick go back to the issue with colin kaepernick when he knelt and he said what he said and then everybody's like, oh my gosh, there's another guy, there's another guy, there's another guy. Domino effect. Okay, yes. domino effect. You know who I blame on the entire situation? Guess who I blame on the entire hmm. situation? From day one, I blame one guy. Hmm. Only one guy blame. Guess who it is? Goodell? Goodell, what? who else are you gonna blame? Listen, if the guy is trying to make a statement
0: immediately Let's read. I, I don't know if there was a statement being made by Phil not going to the Olympia. He might have numerous reasons why you don't no, go. No, what I'm saying. Is, and by the way, Colin's not even the best guy. Yeah, he, he's not. I, uh, me people. personally, I think the Mister Olympia should have that entire front row for all of the past Mister Olympias to be there. That's my opinion. I, I would if you're go asking a little name. bit
1: above that, but I I agree with that. I would go a little bit above that, but for me, uh, I think I think to say I think to say the brand will never be bigger or the brand will one of my guys I was talking to he makes about he makes a good six seven hundred thousand dollar income makes good income decent income he's, he's not my best top five guys top mm-hmm. ten guys but he's one of the guys that's doing pretty good and I sat down with him one day and I said listen I want you to realize this he says what's that I said you walk around as if your block of business is gonna pay you for the rest of your life mm-hmm. I said you walking around like you're bigger than Circuit City and Kmart keep in mind Circuit City and Kmart went out of business <laughs> yes, because they, they, they got arrogant and cocky and Blockbuster, Circuit City, and Kmart's all bigger than you are. You're a nobody compared to those companies. Right. What's the point? If boxing gets cocky, thinking they're not going to lose eyeballs mm-hmm. to UFC, a Dana White is going to come and take it over. So to say that a rock is supplementing, it, it, you know, if... if uh, and by the way, my worry wouldn't even be... Complimenting. A, yeah, I said compl- the rock complimenting. is complimenting. I don't even think... Rock is the one that would be my concern. If Danny, by any chance, gets an itch to want to really go up, Mm-hmm. Danny can pull the strings and do whatever she wants. Danny Garcia, because she sure. loves I'm, I'm very. So, and, and
0: by the way, she works very closely with the IP Pro League. I know Mind she you, does. Mind you, all of that I stuff know, exists I, because I of their the, the relationship. I know they do. And you which got, is good for everybody. And is for it? me, for
1: me, I would like nothing more but to see the Mr. Olympia brand get even big, bigger than what it is today. So by the way, one of the questions I asked, I, I didn't get the answer. I'm just curious to know what you were gonna say to it. Are, are, are you more it has the system in judging changed between now versus
0: 01 and versus '88. You know, I can't tell because we're judging totally different bodies. You know, when I was competing, yeah. we had the top six were Hall of Fame bodybuilders. They're all in the Hall of Fame, all of them. I heard you make a couple of comparisons. Um, we'll do that. I, I think you. I think you know what? Brand is in because he has an Olympia, right? So he's in that elite 15. Dexter's in because he won in 2008 and he's the winningest pro bodybuilder ever. I mean. Fills in. I mean, is Kai Green a Hall of Fame bodybuilder? He, well, he got two first runner ups at the Olympia, three first runner ups at the Olympia, a couple of a Classics. There there might be an argument. He's better than Eli, Eli Manning, right? There's a stronger argument mm-hmm. for Kai Green to be in the bodybuilding Hall of Fame. But, um, the lineup that we're judging now, it's, they're judging with different criteria, man. I mean, so I don't know how the judges are judging. I don't, it's not something that I would want to be a part of in terms of judging. Oh, but I think
1: it's something I, it, you ought to put give your opinion on because you have a history of doing that. And uh, if the concern is really the younger guys, I think you ought to do a little bit more due diligence and see how it's taking well, place. Don't, because, don't, and I'll give you an idea why mm-hmm. I think that is. Uh, uh, because, okay. You look at that video. I don't know how long it is—like forty-seven yep. minutes. That's a good. Uh, yeah. it's, it's it's a good amount to watch, and you guys are going
0: back and forth, back and forth. Kevin's the only one they think, ever sold online. They sold a DVD. It's phenomenal, conference. by the way. I think yeah. this is very good for the sport. But you heard but what Kevin said. So Kevin, Kevin's he said, you. He said something's wrong, Ronnie, when everyone's booing. So nobody wants to see a Mr. Olympia yeah, get booed, I, right? I
1: think you were onto something. Mm-hmm. I think you were onto something, because. If I'm gonna give my life to it, I want to, There's, there's gonna be a way that I'm being judged. That's fair. Yeah. For example, if I go to court and I'm going to, uh, uh, the jury's gonna come in. Uh, go up and judge me. The jury cannot be a friend. The jury and I cannot have dinner together. Right. You, you know, the that, old that's, what that's what we were up against. So that's why I'm saying, how much has it changed? I, for I don't know that they. I course. don't know
0: that those judges have that same type of relationship that we had back then. You don't think, or you don't?
1: Know. I, I don't know.
0: Okay. Because uh, I, I'm not invested in it I'll as an athlete. Uh, I'm 19 years removed. I know some of the judges, but I don't know all of the judges. Yeah. It's changed mm-hmm. and evolved. Um, I'm not as passionate or as close to it because it doesn't directly affect me. When I was up there on that press conference, I was being directly affected by continuous decisions to have the same staff of judges who were friends with, uh, notorious friends yeah. with Ronnie Coleman. The girl I was arguing with is Ronnie Coleman's friend. Dorian Yates' good friend was was Steve Weinberger. Uh, I think the bigger issue for these athletes is, is that they are not, um I, I don't think there's enough personalities out there. Back then, Flex had his own swag. I had my own swag. Dorian, however invisible he was, had his. But we all had our own personalities. Kevin, too. Um, and now it's just kind of like, pfft, it, there's, there's nothing really there. Um, when Sean Roden won the Mr. Olympia contest, there was really nothing to, there was no groundswell of support after he won it because you just didn't see the guy anywhere. And I don't know if that's with the magazine demise or whatnot, but there's just not very many personalities. Kai Greene still has a very colorful personality that he's able to capitalize on. He's got
1: a great personality, and that, yeah. that personality can take him a, a lot of places. I think it, he's what
0: Brandon Curry's doing, a little bit of his, is in different ways. He's opening his third gym, yeah. I believe. He's he's talking to schools, he's traveling around. He's an ambassador. He's yeah. doing everything right as Mr. Olympia, but uh, this coming Olympia is gonna be very interesting. I, I'm actually curious about it. I had a
1: meeting with with some people from the Mr Olympia organization about possibly uh, doing something and showing up so it depends on how the schedule will, will look like I may be attending myself this is just to That's what see I was with,
0: it's a different animal yeah I want when it. you're there see.
1: and you're just analyzing
0: it through I'm
1: very curious yeah I'm very he, curious so so let me ask you now let's talk about a completely different thing uh, uh, transitioning more into health aspect the judging part uh, for me I was talking to Ron for muscular development I said you know uh, concerns that you have when you see these guys that are very big okay yes. you know like uh, all of a sudden one day you're getting picture of greg kovacs this guy is bench pressing you know 700 pounds 26 inch guns and but you're we looking, don't see that today you don't see that today but that would never win a no. greg kovacs is not going to win absolutely not that just, that it does, didn't win then i don't uh, even know how he got uh, his pro car. of course of course but okay. point i'm making to you is 197 218 mm-hmm. okay that is a 21 pound difference mm-hmm. in how many years of competition? 14. That's a long time to go from 197 to 218, where typically that's not the case. The increase is a lot more than 197 well, Flex Wheeler to was two
0: Flex Wheeler was 216 pounds in the 93 Arnold Classic where a lot of people thought he was his best. And only a couple short years later with the arrival of Dorian Yates, he was competing at well over 245. Okay. Uh, he wasn't a better version of Flex Wheeler. Perfect. So, so And he had all the genetics, right? So, so
1: where I'm going with this is a part of it is what judging gives points for, what yeah. judging gives the additional uh, upper advantage for, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So now this leads me to the topic of drugs mm-hmm. and steroids and GH and all that other stuff, okay? If you, and I don't know if you did, but based on some of the research I did, did you and Chad Nichols ever do anything together? Absolutely not. Okay. So so, so, so be, uh, I know there's He's more Dr. follow He's
0: to me, bro. Okay.
1: So even if he did get close to you you would have never he tried taken his he counsel. tried to
0: 1996 i went to guest post for him took me to dinner and he asked me if i needed any help i just got second place to dorian yates no i don't need your help i don't even know you first of all and i've done it all myself um and i think that's where we started to butt heads i flatly refused any help from him and then he went on to say a few years later that if i had his help maybe i could have been mr Olympia, which is nonsense because of course you had nasser in 97 and Flex Wheeler and Kevin LaVronia that were getting second places towards the end. But Chad's got blood all over his hands, man. I mean, uh, Ronnie Coleman will defend him to the ninth degree, but he was in that bathtub near death in 2001 at the direction of Chad Nichols, who's not a doctor, by the way. Um, there's at least five deaths. Don Youngblood, Nasser El Dallas McCarver uh, and a few other people that he's had his uh, relationships with as a bodybuilding coach. Mm-hmm. That are dead and in the ground and he hadn't gone to one funeral um don long no kidneys he hadn't he gone f- to one funeral no not one fu- not one these are people he worked with didn't go to funerals uh don long has doesn't have kidneys he was working with chad nichols flex wheeler kidney he's working with chad nichols tom pritz kidney Tra- when i say kidney i'm talking about transplants chad nichols those are the ones we know about so what does that say about a guy that works with all these guys in this camp? I competed against all those guys. Me and Kevin Lavroni and Milo Sarcev refused to have anything to do with Chad Nichols, and that's probably why we're still healthy in here. But everyone that he was working with that was in that camp, they're all jacked up. Paul Gillette got smart and got the hell out, um, but he still had a couple of hernia surgeries. But how does that happen? You have all of those top-notch athletes. Ronnie Coleman's, in 2001, my last Olympia, Ronnie was getting ready to go to the emergency room. Thank God he was thrown into a bathtub. Who's thrown into a bathtub full of ice the night before you're competing? Who's guzzling a a gallon of water to try to revitalize yourself because you feel like you're dying and your coach is sitting there next to you? I mean, Michael Jackson died with his doctor in his room. So I never would give somebody that kind of control over what I'm doing with my body, uh, especially when they're not certified doctors. Uh, I interviewed Tom Prince recently. He's going through dialysis. He looks like he's near death, he can't be 175 pounds. Uh, and he's defended, he said if he had to do it again, he, would, he, he Chad Nichols is a good friend. He would do I it said, again. If I, I said, him. if you didn't have Chad Nichols, you probably would be healthy. Uh, me and him, it's, it's no mistake that we're not friends. And he was in the enemy camp in 1998, they were instituting diuretic testing. And Kevin and I were asking for a blood test because we knew that Chad was gonna show up in 98. This is when it's open, anybody can win. We wanted it to be blood tested instead of piss test because we knew Chad had some plasma expander, including Milo Sarchev, who who wasn't in the Olympia. Uh, We were trying to go so far as to keep Chad away from the athletes' meeting, to keep him away from the damn show altogether. Flex Wheeler wanted to fight me. Kevin Levrone, after the press conference, took his jacket off. He was sweating so much water. He wanted to tear Chad Nichols a new hole because he didn't want Chad Nichols anywhere near that competition. And of course, Ronnie won the show. Flex was second. (laughs) I think Kevin was third. I know I was fifth place that year. That's when I tried to come in heavier because I felt it was a wide open show. I got to put on some, so I came in about five pounds too heavy. But nonetheless, I never let that die because Chad Nichols left a wake of bodies in his path and he's like a state chairman and he runs competitions and he's not a friend of mine. Um, And I would have had more respect for him had he gone to some funerals. I mean, Don Youngblood was a good friend of mine. Uh, he was f- mutual friends with my buddy Dan's, Dan uh, English out of Arkansas. So I, I don't endorse any of his practices, but you'll find he's got a very loyal following. You uh, guys have a very loyal following. Yeah, he was working with Dallas McCarver. When he started working with Dallas McCarver, I said Dallas has six months to live. He died eight months later. So I have a reason to be pissed. I'm not prophetic, I'm not Nostradamus, but I know danger when I see it, and I knew that guy was dangerous back in the 90s. So let me ask you this.
1: Let me ask you this. I got my second video to show you here. And the second video, I think you kind of have an idea what the video is going to be. This is the second video, okay? You know what's about to happen in about eleven seconds. I'm at the mic. Seconds. I'm
0: at the mic. Okay. I was emceeing this competition. You were emceeing this event. I tried to approach Dallas for an interview prior to him going on stage. Was he, he said, feeling? He said, "Get the hell away from me! I'm not talking to you." Before he walked on this stage, ten minutes before he walked out there, get away from me! I'm not talking to you. I was on assignment for uh, muscular development. I said, "Why are you not talking to me?" He says, "Because you were talking shit earlier in the year, probably two or three months, be- two months before that, when he was working with Chad, um, he went and posed for Jim Mannion, and he wanted to get a look two weeks out from the Arnold, Ohio. This is the Arnold in Australia. Dallas went up to Pittsburgh and posed for Jim Mannion. Bent over, he was cramping, he was pale white, he looked like he was in distress. But they videotaped it and put it online." I looked at it and analyzed it and I said who does that like who would ever go in front of I would never go in front of Joe Weeder, totally pale bent over can't hold my front double bicep can't hold my stomach in what, what kind of analysis was he expecting he didn't like what I had to say he was working with Chad Nichols and a couple other people he took it personal he went in and I said despite all of that in three weeks time he's going to be fighting for first place against Cedric McMillan he got second place. Two weeks later, the guy gets carried off the stage and is throwing up. I was standing on the other side of the stage when they brought him back there with the EMTs. Uh, I wasn't gloating in his demise, but I knew then he's in distress for one reason. The things that he was doing. He was being fast-tracked. Taking too much too soon. Didn't want to hear the brutal honest truth. I said he should have shut it down after that contest. Two months after that show, he went up and guest posed at the Emerald Cup weighing about 315 pounds. So he didn't shut it down. He actually accelerated. He went from dieted down on stage to putting on another probably 40 pounds guest posing uh, straight into the ground. So, could have so, been prevented.
1: So let me ask you this. Here's some of the bodybuilders that have passed away. Dallas McCarver, Rich Piana, Andres Munzer, Mohammed, Mohammed uh, Benaziza, Ben-Aziza uh, Greg Kovacs, Matarazzo, uh, Comerford, Osambati, Artwood, Charles Doerr. Uh, Hillerbrand, um, Menser, both of them brothers, Ray and Mike, Ross, Youngblood, you know, you know these Matt names. Matt Duvall. Right? Matt Duvall, and there's many names. I don't want to go through all of them, you know the names. I know okay. all of them. How many of these could have been prevented? Uh, and, you, you can't save someone from themselves. No, 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 Here, here's what I mean by it. Let me, and, and, and I'm going in a part to help with an element of bodybuilding that's uncomfortable to talk about. This is what I mean by it. I'm not saying you can't prevent somebody from doing it they're doing it because they feel the doing doing part could potentially help them have an edge over their competitors sure. right but how much of it has to do with going and doing too much dosage of the the steroids that you know diet, whatever it is the gh mm-hmm. the peds how much could that have been prevented
0: well we can say the same about wrestling probably say the same thing about football when you start getting to the brass tacks um we don't know what any of these guys are taking uh, i can't i can't paint them with the same brush you hear the word steroids you think a needle and a syringe but there's a lot of different types of steroids these guys some of them i, I would attribute probably insulin i'd probably attribute some of the growth hormone um, there's use and abuse and nobody's smarter than the next but you know our sport is made up of a lot of misfits we come in with a lot of baggage uh, bigorexia anorexia some of the guys think of a little bit's good a little bit more is better some may have some pre Disposed uh, conditions that exist uh, that might get exacerbated by growth hormones speed up the process. Um, we know that Munzer uh, probably diuretics. Vince Comerford's dead, but he was over the age of fifty when he died, and he was a notorious drug user. Uh, Paul DeMeo, a huge drug user. Uh, so we don't know the habits of these bodybuilders whether they cycled on or cycled off. But I can tell you the the ones that are there, um, I think the one commonality is we would all agree that they're probably abusers not users and there's a big difference i can drink a beer and i'm fine you might not be able to stop at one you need three or four and then you're either the life of the party you're throwing up or you want to fight everybody in the room mm-hmm. it's the same alcohol it just has a different effect on your height weight and your shape the bodybuilders when it comes down to pharmacology are combining all kinds of stuff a lot of them are working with trainers that have no idea um, getting a blood test isn't the end-all beat-all for taking steroids there's use and abuse just because you have a Ferrari doesn't mean you have to drive 200 miles an hour. And if you do, we could pretty much bet. Just it's, it's a matter of yeah, time. It's a matter of time. With a lot of these bodybuilders, when you have the means and the access and you have people pushing you, you don't even know the filter. I remember, I saw you interview Ronnie Coleman. I don't think Ronnie Coleman probably even, he was taking stuff he didn't even know he was taking. Chad Nichols was giving him whatever oh, he wanted you mean to the, give the, him. The,
1: the, the, whatever it
0: was, right. he didn't know what it was. So high level athletes with high intelligence are willing to do whatever it takes. So you're gonna have this list. But this is a very small list by comparison to the millions of weightlifters and the thousands of professionals. So there's gonna be a casualty. I'm going to complete a front angle. Go ahead. Than where you think I'm going. This is the angle I'm taking right now.
1: Uh, the angle I'm taking is, you said, Samir Benut. Mm-hmm. you said in one of the interviews, you said the one guy that I would be afraid of going on stage is a 1983. Yeah, because first, you, yeah. he, you beat him in an 88 or 89, but the 83 one, right? You yeah. said you'd be afraid to go up against that guy. Scary. Hey, like, look at that guy. Beautiful yeah. body, just a godlike figure. Very right? mm-hmm. Dickerson, you know. Uh, uh, I would have uh, beat Dickerson,
0: but he was a, he was a mentor of mine. Well, oh, he had a
1: good physique, yeah, like Labrada, Gaspari, mm-hmm. some of these guys. Okay, mm-hmm. good physiques that they have. You. Good physique. But today, do you have any health problems? Yeah, absolutely none. Absolutely none. That's the point I'm making. So, so the point I'm trying to make to you is, it doesn't mean you didn't do steroids. I mean, right. obviously, Arnold class in 1991, the first time, two weeks later, they took it away from you. And they gave, 1990, and mm-hmm. they gave it to you, the one scene where he comes up and he says, I'm really the winner, Mike which Ashley. was kind of funny. <laughs> I, <laughs> <It, it, laughs> I respect him. Yeah, but, but the point is, you took first place. Right. Two weeks later, they did that. And then it was what it was. You don't hear a lot of times about drug testing with the guys at the top, even though everybody knows everyone's sure. using it. This is the point I'm trying to make, on how I fr- went from judging to this, okay? If the brand is saying, like NBA today is saying what? Steph Cree, two-time MVP, okay? Mm-hmm. S- Steve Nash, two-time MVP. Go back, Shaq, Wilt, Russell. Giants. So everybody wants to be center, you know, you want to be this guy. David Robinson, you know, Akeem. Mm-hmm. You know, Ewing, all these guys. No Elijah one cares about these centers, right? Okay, right. so it's a different game today. It's Anthony Davis, Giannis. Yes. It's a complete different kind it's of a finesse. game. But But a part of it is on the player, and a part of it is on what the brand is also Promote. building up, right? right? So in the judges' part, why why don't they sit there and say, look, if there's anything with any gut we see, like, it's massive point reduction. They did. It, they did it with Phil Heat. That's why he lost the Mr. Olympia. Ah, but I'm not. But I'm going back with it right now to move forward. In the 90s? Yeah, I'm okay. going back and then I'm going forward, right? Because a lot of these guys passed away. They're not today. These right. guys are byproduct of what happened in the 90s. Mo- most of these names are not today's names. A lot of these names, except for a couple of them are recent, but, you know, Piano's a couple of years ago, most of them are the 90s guys, right? Okay. What if the judging comes back and says, here's what we're going to be doing. You know, Calvin Klein models... For a decade, you thought you had to be ninety pounds and you know, you're looking like you know what I'm talking about, yeah. and it was nothing attractive about it. Right. But Kevin Klein made everybody think that's sexy, mm-hmm. right? And sixty years ago, sexy was Marilyn Monroe, voluptuous, you know, nice with the and the thighs and butt and yeah. thick and 145 pounds, maybe we got not the wellness division
0: coming. <laughs> and now
1: we have now we have Kim Kardashian, right? Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is to not get the black eye, do you think the Mr. Olympia brand needs to go and kind of start recognizing certain other behaviors? Well, there there's, are. There
0: aren't they with classic physique? I, I think, mean, Breon I, Ansley and Chris Bumstead that was highly contested. Brandon Curry is not a 250-pound that's monster. That's what I'm saying.
1: I Actually, uh, no, no, I'm with you there. Yeah. So I'm going to the part of saying with the judging side that if Mr. Olympia goes to kind of uh, uh, build up some guys that have your kind of a physique and not pressuring the field to want to go to the next size and want to bulk up a little bit
0: more. And they kind of bring up that phase. Well, I think we got to be mindful. There are no Sean Ray's. There are no Labrata's. I mean, Brandon, Brandon Curry doesn't fit into that category. Well, why is that though? William Bonick doesn't. Hottie uh, Chupin doesn't. I mean, the gene pool is just not there. I mean, I'm a teenage national champion. Lee Haney was a teen national champion. Jake Cutler was a teen national champion. Dennis Newman. I mean, the guys that had that pedigree are just not there. I mean, you got Johnny Jackson coming out at forty-nine years old, Dexter's fifty years old. These guys are. I guarantee, if you take the average age of these guys in the Olympia, they're thirty-five years plus. When I was coming up, I mean, Lee Haney retired at thirty-one years old with eight Olympias. I got out at thirty-five years That's old. Crazy. So the gene pool is—it's a different—it's a different era, man. And right now, in twenty twenty, and it's barely starting. We don't see that next Phil Heath coming up. But there's always one, right? Brandon Curry is not new. He's been here for a minute, He just he's arrived. Uh, and it's a matter of attrition. Because again, if you throw in Phil, you throw in Big Ramy, you throw in Phil Heath, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Kai Green. maybe Brandon's not Mr. Olympia. But he is, because he showed up. This year, there's no guarantee that he doesn't get injured on the way, and we could wind up with somebody, I, I just couldn't imagine William Bonick being Mr. Olympia in terms of all of the guys that are Mr. Olympia, and then you would have a William Bonick. It just didn't sound right, it didn't seem right, it didn't look right. Although Brandon Curry fit in there based on what he was sized up against. I think we gotta get to a point where, you know I don't think Mr. Olympia will ever be, not be the main attraction of the Olympia weekend, but we gotta accept that that title could change hands every single year moving forward. That reign of seven and eight, there's nobody with, number one, the youth or the look, that's coming up to do that kind of dominance that Phil Heath had, uh, Ronnie Coleman and Jay Cutler. And if you're 22 Dorian.
1: today, would you go the same route with Mr. Olympia? I would building? because it's
0: a numbers game. Listen, I loved bodybuilding. I wouldn't do it for free. I mean, Ronnie comes from a different elk. If that prize money is what it is, I'm 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 in it because I would have the potential. And I would think I could beat what's there. I, I think what's there now is more beatable than when I started. When I started, no, no I mean, what was what was there, I was like, it, Greek gods. I mean, and you had a, it ran the gamut. Mind you, Lee Labrada was getting second, and Rich Gasparri was That's getting crazy. second. So, on one hand, it was unfathomable that I could be there. And on the other hand, it was realistic that if I keep doing what I'm doing, I could be there. And I woke up one day and I was there. When I heard Lee Labrada announced in third place and Sean Ray in second in 94, I mean, I arrived. I actually beat him in 93. For me, that was my small Olympia mm-hmm. victory because I held Labrada in such high esteem the way I held Bob Paris. Now, if we saw somebody come out looking like Bob Paris today, I would plug him right in there. I mean, that would be somebody you can get behind and change the entire look of the Mr. Olympia weekend. If you had a Bob Paris-like physique, six foot tall, 230 pounds, not overtly uh, muscular, not really grainy and hard. We just got caught up in an era where the bar was just being raised so high. And even even during my time, uh, Lee Haney was the only one to finish his career, I think better than when he started. His last Olympian, 91, he could sail off into the sunset. Dorian Yates, you you needed a wheelchair for him. Ronnie Coleman, he's kind of sloppy at the end. Uh, Phil Heath was not what he was when he started his reign. So these bodybuilders, they don't get better. They typically get worse. Dexter's found a way to kind of be consistently consistent, but he's nowhere near the 2008 Dexter He's got Jackson. a page out of your
1: playbook. got a...
0: He, he's found a way to to, to, yeah. to maximize what he has without trying to blow it all out. How's his health? Uh, that's the question for Dexter because I wouldn't know. I, I just, I imagine... What I mean by that is did a Chad get a hold of him or no? He's always worked with like Charles Glass. Okay. He's, he's had various George Farah. He's worked with people that I think are respectable because Charles isn't a guru. He's a coach. He's a, tra- he's he's a, a trainer. He's a legend. Uh, yeah. Chad is a guru that doesn't have the medical background and i don't have the respect for him his wife was a four-time miss olympia that he dried out nicely she was the game changer on the female side of things because he dried her out ronnie coleman didn't win the olympia because he got big ronnie coleman dried out through whatever protocols chad put him on you saw him in 98 he was never that dry in his whole career that's why he leapfrogged over everyone and then everyone wanted to jump onto that bandwagon and he got some people but me and kevin veroni stayed true to our own independence and we did our own thing
1: yeah i'm curious i'm curious in what direction because the judging dictates what they get points for that's all yes, i'm saying it does. i think the judging dictates what direction the talent's going to do when you say we don't have a pool of genetics like we did obviously the genetics are there uh the level of inspiration to want to get a guy like that to want to come out and compete may not be there because they may take a different route so i i don't know i don't know what's going to happen i don't know uh or uh, what they do with the judging side. The only thing I'm thinking when I'm looking at these names here, is there a way to prevent more of these things happening? Because uh, this is a black eye for the
0: brand. That's not something that you can prevent because no one is in there with these guys except themselves. And they're, only they know their limitations. Maybe they don't know their limitations, but. These guys are dying of diuretics. They're di- dying of overuse of growth hormone and insulin co- com- combined, and they're also doing recreational drugs. Yeah, we're going to have that, just like rock and roll. You have people. Do- when Prince died, who ever saw that coming?
1: What what are, what are some of the common? You know, the common uh, for the person that doesn't follow this stuff, that hasn't read the steroids Bible, version one, two, three, four, or Ageless Man, or any of this stuff, right? Never read one of them. You've
0: never read one of them. None of so them. So you, so you're not the guy that studied side effects of guy. steroids. i not the guy. I can't and- tell you. What a Diana ball will do versus Anavar. So you never never did the research before you started taking. I I I pretty much through trial and error learned what was good for Sean Ray. And you're healthy. Yes,
1: and you're healthy. And I couldn't I couldn't
0: tell you how many calories are in a potato. I couldn't tell you how many grams of food I eat. I never measured it. I don't know how big my arms are. I couldn't care less how big my waist is. The only reason I knew my weight was because typically there's a scale at on the day of the show, but I didn't monitor my progress on the scale. Like Ronnie said, he said something like, he didn't have mirrors. The mirror was my best friend. I considered myself an artist. I needed that mirror. I, I wasn't going to go in there and out muscle Dorian Yates. I needed yeah. to make sure that I was hitting my poses right. Yeah. I took a page out of Labrada, I took a page out of uh, Muhammad McAway, I took a page out of Chris Dickerson and Bob Paris. I was a physique artist. I never considered myself to be a bodybuilder because I wasn't building to get big. And nor was I using, nor was I using anabolics to get big. I mean, I was training twice a day, two and three hours at a time, eat, sleeping, and training. I knew exactly what they did and I studied up on them, but I couldn't give you my protocol and say, here, try this. I would never give advice to someone to take something. You're not going to find me talking about direction on how to use anabolics with anybody uh, because I just don't have the, the wealth of knowledge, let alone on the nutrition side. I was not a guy that was... Scientific, like Dorian said, he wrote all his stuff down, and so Ronnie did wrote his genetics. stuff down. This is this genetics is, yeah. and talent. I can't explain it. <laughs> it's like I know for a fact Shaquille O'Neal is probably the crappiest free throw shooter in the history of the game, but you know he probably shot a million free throws in practice. He just couldn't get it down, right? Whereas we could see, you could always bank on somebody like um, Steph Curry to hit that free throw to win the game. He could do it with his eyes closed. Kobe too. Uh, for me, I just go into the, to the gym, I lift weights, and stuff happens.
1: Uh, 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 let me ask you, how close were you to Craig Titus? I was always curious and how he was as an individual. Yeah,
0: I think we, I showed him where to buy his house. I was there with him when he met his wife, Kelly, in, in Michigan. Um, and he had good intentions at times. But you can't get out of your own way when you have an ego that big. I mean, we became we butted heads because uh, just with the athlete's rep thing, I was trying to get some changes he wanted to do. He always had the brighter, bigger idea. So he had an alpha male personality. He was a hothead. I never saw him get in a fight. Of course, he called me out a couple of times, wanted to fight me. Um, But if anybody was gonna say, Who's gonna do something this crazy to this degree that Craig Titus did? I think all the bodybuilders probably would have said Craig's capable. Oh, so you—oh, so you <laughs> he was crazy. knew you knew he
1: was capable of doing something. Yeah, like that.
0: and you know what? At the okay. end of his career, he wasn't hyped up on steroids. He was using drugs, man. I mean, I think most people would say he was probably a drug addict at the time. I mean, I went to the USA that year that that happened. He's standing outside the USA, smoking a cigarette, didn't give a crap. Uh, ghostly white, pale. I mean, he was—he was fully into his recreational drugs. And I think that whole murder thing thing happened under the veil of, of a drug induced stupor that he probably still can't even believe it actually happened because he was way out of it. Th- that can happen in any sport. I'm yeah. just I'm just trying to see. We were you, know, you, know, you know. Okay. Got it. Yeah.
1: Uh, 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 behind backstage stories. So you know, Kevin says a story about you. Kevin says I had dinner with him last night. Uh, yeah, dinner with him last night. But by the way, I'm a. I always liked his physique. In yeah. the army, had pictures on the wall. I always liked kevin had a very different kind of a physique i mean i don't know you know i actually can't say another physique that matches kevin's physique it was very different of a physique he had uh but he told a story one time he says backstage he's dehydrated and he's talking to you and he says hey uh, uh, Sean listen, man, I need some uh, can you give me some of those uh, orange slice? Yeah, and they're like no I'm not giving you orange slices. you go get your own, right? Yeah. So he said there's a different madness with Sean mm-hmm. behind uh, uh, closed doors when it's competition when you when you compete against each other Do you have any crazy stories against other guys like a Yates or a Ronnie or a Haney or any of those stories that you have?
0: Yeah, no, there was nothing crazy about showing up backstage at the Olympia. Listen, I mean I walk in there, and it's like this. This is what I'm looking at. I'm 5'7", 210 pounds, but i got to stand next to what... That's what they look like. Um, it was very intimidating to think that I've got to ignore them on stage. I, didn't, you're not gonna, I tried to squeeze in a couple of pose downs and got muscled out. I mean, elbows flying. Uh, I almost, Flex Wheeler almost knocked me off the stage because I tried to duck underneath. Yeah. And he, so I felt like I was in a washing machine. And Ronnie Coleman and Kevin, uh, these guys are like... You know, in my mind, they're like raging, uh, fighting for the real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was this was this was big business, man. I mean, we weren't we were more sociable off stage. Backstage, it was more like a church. You know, you just do your meditation and you do your thing. I didn't have to meditate. I got there. I was full of energy. I was. This is what I train for. It's what I live for. It's like game day for me. I never felt near death. I didn't cramp up. I, I only had one cramp in my life in a bodybuilding show in '92 in Helsinki, Finland. Uh, I tried to dry out because it's a transatlantic flight, and I tried to dry it, and I just dried out a little bit too much. I cramped up in my hamstring very briefly. But I never felt, one, that I didn't have a shot at winning, and two, that this is a miserable experience. Never felt. I always thought that on any given day I could be Mr. Olympia, oh, okay. which is what got me out of bed. I never showed up at the Olympia except for that, the one time when I came in heavy in 98. I thought I spilled over a little bit. I'm like, shit. you know. The five but, pounds? Yeah, I was yeah. five pounds. But, but I felt that like the day before the Olympia. Every Olympia I went in, I felt like I was a competitor except 1988, my first one, my rookie year. Um, That was just way too busy to even be a competitor. But I was the biggest fan of bodybuilding in my first Olympia that it didn't matter that I wasn't in the hunt. Uh, But every year after that, from 90 to 2001, you can believe I went in there thinking I was going to win. You
1: ever gone to a fight with any of these guys? or No, No, I mean, uh, listen,
0: bodybuilders are like cats they make a lot of noise but they don't necessarily yeah. deliver I, I pushed a lot of buttons trust me lee haney's one guy whose buttons you couldn't push i mean he was like the old man of the bunch even though he's not that old he's um uh, but dorian wasn't someone you wanted to stare down you know dorian was intimidating. Really? you saw him walk by you, you knew he was coming through a <laughs> wide load uh i, I almost got a beef with one of his trainers at the time backstage in 96 with weinberger but it's because weinberger was in a room helping mr olympia mm-hmm. warm up and we were all out to fend for ourselves, but I, I never had any issues on game day. Interesting.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Dorian seems like the stoic guy that doesn't say a lot, and his look is just gonna make you think.
0: Yeah, and, and you know what? I, as much as people want to pit us against each other, I never knew Dorian until we were done. And when we were done, like he he retired in 97. My last Olympia, I guest posed for him in 2001, but we actually guest posed together in 1988, so I saw him coming. He arrived three years later, but I saw him coming up, and he was a beast, But I didn't. Lo- I didn't want to know Dorian because he was the enemy. Like you don't want to be friends with these guys. So by the time it was all said and done, I. Re- he's pretty cerebral. He's mellowed out. He turned the corner from partying, and you know he's a guy that I would look forward to having dinner with when go- going over to England. I would seek him out. Mm. But as a bodybuilder, during my bodybuilding years, we, we couldn't have been more different.
1: Yeah, I I, uh, I enjoyed the conversations with him. He he thinks very different. Couple pictures here, Sean. So this is you. Which by the way, this is a sick picture you got here. This mm. is a. Uh, another one of those pictures that just doesn't make sense. When you see this today, what do you think
0: about? Well, that was my last year of competition. I mean, I, I went out kind of the way I came in. A lot of people in 87 thought I was the heir apparent, um, that I would win the Mr. Olympia. And I actually believed I would too. Uh, I didn't know I would spend the rest of my life trying to pursue that. And uh, going out of the game, leaving them wanting more was probably the best move for me rather than try to come back like Kevin and Flex. So that's a, that, that's a nice full look. It's probably 10 days out from the Mr. Olympia, and I'm satisfied with that.
1: That's a pretty sick picture. This one here, this is another one of those where you and Flex have one similar like this. You know which one I'm talking about with Flex. Yeah. Is it the same photographer? No, or no? he had
0: Gary Phillips. This is Per Bernal. This is actually backstage walking off the Olympia stage to stand in front of his white drop cloth backstage. This competition, I got fourth. This is my last Mr. Olympia appearance, and I couldn't be more... Proud of the photography that Per Bernal did because it brought out everything as a fan that I would want to see on my physique. So, this is
1: last year and you placed
0: fourth year? Oh, 2001. Interesting. Do you see all your flaws or no? Like do you I see- do. I, I see I see my flaws from the standpoint that look, I only have so much to work with. I'm 5'7. If I was 5'7, 230 pounds, you wouldn't see the detail. Um, I was an artist. That's so, the, the sick thing right there this where my, my my facial expression reminds me of Yul, a young yule brenner and i, I always like yule brenner as an actor but the face is just as much as important as the body not to mention i knew that the midsection is the focal point of everything face
1: is just as important as absolutely the body. you, the you chiseled jaws and all that
0: the the look period the presence um depending on what pose you're hitting whether you're smiling or you're not uh-huh. this style of pose wouldn't look right if i was smiling um, and Bob Paris perfected this pose. I stole it from him way back when I got my own little thing to it. John Brown has one similar. But hitting this pose, there's more that's going on than me just trying to show my small midsection. I'm showing the serratus on the side. I'm trying to flex my tricep a little bit. I'm pushing my hand up against my hamstring. It's very uncomfortable. I'm on dirt, right? That's, Where is this taking? That's behind my house in Chino Hills. Okay. Um, but when I hit a pose, it had purpose, and it started with the, the facial expression. What's your
1: waist here? What's your waistline here? I have no idea. I, oh, I, okay, I you didn't never, measure
0: yourself, so you wouldn't know. It. But That's this was, right. again, about 10 days out. What do you think about when you see this? This was the shot that I had. I think this is the 93 Olympia, if I'm not mistaken, uh, where Flex Wheeler got second place, and I was third place the first time I beat La Brata. My front double bicep at that time was probably my worst pose. So I'm proud of where my front double bicep evolved into. I didn't like looking at that front double bicep in 93. I wasn't hitting it right. But putting Labrada in my rear view, I was done. I mean, I knew how good flex was. I was upset that flex was smoother from the back and the hamstrings. But that's Flex's pose. That's the pose you want to make a trophy out of. When I see the front double bicep trophy, I think of Flex Wheeler. But taking Labrada out was the crowning moment for me. That's pretty sick because it's the one guy that's like, can I get this guy? Yeah, and he was one of my idols, man. I love Lee. What do you think about here? Um, This This is history. Oh, dude, this This is 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 pretty sick. This is the 91, and I'm like, holy crap. (laughs) So is this the 91? Yes, that's the 91 Olympia. Vince Taylor beat me for the first time. Um, and I predicted that he wouldn't beat me because he's like 10 years old than me. And they said, if Vince Taylor ever beats me, I'm retiring. So that gave him, <laughs> that fired his ass up, right? But I got fifth place there in, uh, in um, Orlando, Florida. But to, to be on there with Lee Haney and Albert Beckles, forget everybody else. Albert Beckles was second place in 1985 when I won the Junior World Championships over in Australia. And he was the guest poser. He got second place to Lee Haney in 1985, so that those two guys standing mm-hmm. there, and I'm on that stage, mm-hmm. and then I got Robbie Robinson, that's a historic lineup for me. I wasn't ready in 91, I won the Arnold Classic, went on tour, kind of missed my peak. Ohio, right,
1: Arnold Classic, Ohio? Yeah, yeah. but this
0: was uh, Orlando when Dorian Yates did his first Olympia. Got it, got it. So Lots now, of memories there. So this right here, the big guys, when the, when the game changed a little bit, I never thought of Marcus Rule. I thought it was an ugly uh, slabs of muscle that just didn't flow properly and looked very drug-induced. Paul Paul DeLette, I never really considered a threat of mine. He was big and freaky like the Incredible Hulk. Uh, His back was incredibly weak. His skin was incredibly thick. But the silhouette and the, the size and the girth, you could not take that away. I was there when he won the North America to turn pro. But I thought, this is a physique that's so incomplete that if it ever beats me, I got work to do and he actually did, in 1996, he got third place at the uh, uh, Ironman Championships. Uh, second in Ironman, I got third. Then we went to the Arnold Classic, and he beat me there. He was fourth, and I was fifth. That was the year, I said, never again, and I wound up placing second mm. in the Mr. Olympia that year, and beat Paul, and beat uh, Vince Taylor again. Uh, Jay Cutler, that's probably one of his most iconic. That was actually a cover that's a shot for Jay. right there, by the way. Uh, and, and Jay got all the props from me. What a lot of people don't know about Jay is he's a sixth time, 6 time, first runner-up at the Olympia, to go with the four Olympia titles and the three Arnold Classic titles. He, no one ever mentions that he was second place six times, it's and there's crazy. no one ever. There's no one ever that's been six play, second place six, six time times. Paul. He's yeah.
1: a six-time runner-up in the Olympia?
0: Six. Did you know that? And you follow this? <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. It's what a record. You, what do way. you think about Hero? Um, well, there's a lot of thoughts there, man, because uh, forget the fact that I thought I should have beat Dorian Yates. This is 94. Um, Yeah. Forget the fact that I thought I should have beat Dorian Yates. I think that Dorian in 94 was just a little too sloppy. Listen, he was big. There's no question you can't take that away. The color was running all off of his body. The bicep tear was very noticeable, but when he put his hands down, the obliques were hanging over the shorts. So for that matter, you got to go with the one with the fewest flaws. Forget it that I'm not trying to say I'm perfect, but I had fewer flaws on the day. And this is where the sport of bodybuilding could have turned the corner. Uh, and gone a totally different direction, which would have favored me. But I pretty much knew by the time I got to the finals that the people that were judging that show were not going to change their opinion. But they could have done the right thing, and I thought they didn't that year. I didn't hold it personal against Dorian. I held it against the system. I'd be curious if those judges are still around. Okay, so let's talk
1: about some of the stuff today. Let's talk about some of the stuff today. Okay, our buddy here from Iran. Yeah. What do, you,
0: what do you think about his physique? He's um, uh, It's not a favorite physique of mine. He doesn't have the Labrata-esque type shape. Uh, the calves are kind of uh, light. The waist is not very tapered. He's got some good muscularity. The quads don't have the type of swe- sweeps I like. Uh, but he's competing in a lineup where he's, he can do very well. Mm. Uh, this is not one that's going to do very well in my, year, my era. Absolutely not. Top ten? Not in the top ten. Not in, the top not, top. not in the top I can top. name to- 10 physiques that in my era that could beat Hottie, but he's right where he needs to be in this era. How about, how about obviously we know uh, uh, Phil, but I'm more asking about our buddy here. Yeah, big Rami is just a promise that hasn't been kept. He reminds me a lot of Cedric McMillan on the day of the Olympia. Rami has some properties that are really good. He just hasn't tried to sculpt it. Those quadriceps, he should never ever press. Uh, he's got to bring those quads down. If his quads were down, down, it would look more palatable because the arms are so big. Um, he has potential right now to come into this year's Olympia and do some things. Do some things means first or second? He could do some things because of the people he's up against, including Brandon Curry. By the so way, you think
1: he can win it all?
0: By the way, Brandon Curry beat him in in the, his last Olympia. Brandon was fifth, and he was sixth place. Um, he wasn't in shape, but him in shape, Brandon Curry hadn't beaten him. So I'd like to see that rubber match to that, see which direction they go.
1: What are your thoughts on El oh Somebody? I was always a fan of oh El uh, as, a, as a physique. I didn't know him, obviously, personally, but as a physique, I thought it was interesting.
0: Yeah, I, I, I wasn't a big fan of Nasser's physique. Uh, Here, he beat Dorian. This is 97, mm-hmm. I'm assuming. He beat Dorian, uh, not only from the front, but the back and that's where dorian's strength was and he beat it he just he just beat him i was i was third in this competition um but nasser was full of stuff man i mean he put oil in his arms he put oil in his shoulders he put him in his calves so when you know these things did, that some of the bodybuilders are doing yeah to do
1: surgery for his shoulders or something absolutely
0: like so me being a, an artist yeah. knowing the things that nasser was doing mm-hmm. uh, i'm not going to say it's an unfair playing field but to the expert eye you can see the things he was doing and he should have been marked down for it and later in his career he couldn't make the top 10 of a, of a regular open show let alone olympia so
1: let's do the one that all your peers have been doing uh you know uh, whether it's uh, ronnie whether it's dorian whether it's flex flex was the nicest out of all of them hmm. ronnie's reaction was very different and then dorian was just uh, the
0: first one that went through it current era against your era no none of these guys in the top 10. None of them in uh, top I said ten. the top 10. So the, the one that could be the top 10 would probably be Dexter Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other guys, no. I think 10th would be Brandon, and that's not a slap in Brandon's face. But those other guys, uh, no. no. I mean, uh, Roly Winkler, for as good as he is, uh, he couldn't beat Milo Sarchev. And Milo Sarchev, I think, got 1 10th place in the Olympia. Um, definitely couldn't beat a Chris Cormier. Um, the, these guys are right where they need to be for their timing. And they're lucky that Dexter's not 10 years younger. Yeah, it couldn't be Dexter if he was 10 years younger. Dexter oh, Dexter in his prime couldn't make the top six of the Olympia, and I was there. Say that one more time. Dexter in his prime couldn't make a top six during your era. During my era, yeah. I think Dexter would be fighting with Chris Cormier for sixth place. He's got an incredible physique. There's no I question. See. He's, He's a Hall of Famer. He's got an famer. incredible physique. Dexter, it, it was, uh, he was in the 99, 2000 and 2001 olympia with me he doesn't like me to remind him that he didn't beat me he's beaten everyone else he beat kevin he beat flex he didn't beat me and he hates it when i remind him of that but i'm a little bit older i think i'm four years older than dexter um, but at the time if we're talking about the 99 yeah. olympia yeah. competition uh dexter we would be fighting chris Cremier to get into the top six chris 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 was uh, another
1: guy that i like to follow yeah. just something about chris that I liked. We, him and I were going back and forth the other day. He follows the content, and we were having a conversation about it. So, speed round. I'll give you names. Tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay, mm-hmm. we're we're coming down to the wire here. Uh, uh, a name. First thought that comes to mind. Kevin Love. Rome.
0: That's my boy, man. I mean, we. He's probably the closest one I'm to in bodybuilding. I mean, we have a love-hate brother relationship. He didn't like what I had to say about his comeback for the Olympia but he sometimes the truth hurts. When you hear it from your friend, that you, you know- It's even more painful. It's even more painful, yeah. but he's, he's come full circle and acknowledged that, you know, some of the things I was saying were, were coming from a good place. Ronnie Coleman. He, he's, a, he's one of those good old boys, man. We're in Texas, Ronnie's a good old boy. There's nothing bad you can say about Ronnie, and he should have took his foot off the gas a long time ago. Uh, he doesn't blame uh, bodybuilding for his injuries. At he all. blames yeah. the surgeons, but I, I believe it's the bodybuilding. If he had taken his foot off the gas when he retired, that I think we'd be talking to a different Ronnie. Dorian Yates. Uh, Dorian, uh, as if he was a game changer, because that's when it changed when he arrived. If there's no Dorian Yates, you probably have Sean Ray as a Mr. Olympia. You probably have a Flex Wheeler. Dorian changed the game. He ushered in the mass monsters because no one ever thought Lehane was a mass monster because he and had 45. Yeah, he yeah. had the nice shape, mm-hmm. but Dorian ushered in something that brought out the bigness and the size, uh, and it was a game changer for sure. Flex Flex Wheeler. The enigma. I mean, Flex, you don't know if you're dealing with Flex or Kenny from one moment to the next. And mind you, I met Ken Wheeler uh, back in 1988, helped me move into my apartment. I kind of mentored him a little bit in the beginning, but then he he took on the Flex Wheeler persona, and that's a whole nother gangster thug style. But I gotta tell you, he comes from a good place. Uh, I think he's come full circle. I mean when you get humbled you start to realize the things that really matter i'm glad that he is starting to recognize that you know people are more important than things
1: hour after kobe uh uh, died uh, he called me and i had a very emotional conversation together with uh what happened with kobe uh jay
0: cutler jay's all business man jay hasn't changed from when i met him coming into the game mind you his first olympia was in a one um 2000 Um, And I believe he's like 12th or something or 14th Um, and all that all that success And he's still the same Jay that I met back then I just did a seminar with him over the weekend But I like the idea that he realizes his his seniority in the sport Mm -hmm. and he is genuinely trying to Pay it forward and give it back. You can't take it with you six times runner up and that's nuts to me. Yeah, Bill Phillips uh, he was also a game changer. If you want to use the game changer, my training partner married one of the, his girls that did the Body for Life transformation, mm-hmm, the very mm-hmm. first one. So I was there. I was part of the whole Metrix thing in the beginning in 93 with Dr. Conley and uh, Jeff Everson and those guys. Bill was ahead of his time. Um, it seems like he kind of cashed his chips in and, and went away, but you know he's done a lot of things along the way that uh, continue to stay relevant today. He came along at the right time. I, without Bill Phillips, I think we're missing a lot of components that are relevant to today's bodybuilding. How about your best friend, Lee Priest? I think Lee, uh, he's a loss, he's lost, bro. I mean, Lee's animosity towards me goes back to me taking one of his girlfriends. Actually, I didn't take his girlfriend. It was his next girlfriend that I wound up being with and he never got over it. And I think that if there's no Sean Ray, then Lee Priest is talked about with even more esteem. He never beat me. Um, I was never in competition with him. But every time I turned around, he was drop, dropping my name in a negative sense. And sometimes, you know, you get attention drawn to you when you call out the guy that's got the biggest mouth. Mm-hmm. I had the mouth, I had the accolades, and uh, he's a guy that's still trying to find himself. You can tell with all the paint all over his face, he's, he's, he's running from something. Lee Labrata. Lee Labrata, uh, he got them NAS with class. I, I, everything I did, I was copying him. So when you saw me show up, not in sweats, wearing a suit and a tie, in my posing routines, at least set the standard for that, raised the bar, of professionalism. I wanted to be, I wanted to be looked at and, and kind of regarded this that way. And and he didn't teach me that. I he has a letter that I wrote him when my career was over, my career was over or his career was over, one of the two. Um, but I made sure that he knew that I appreciated what he it brought to the game. It's impressive for you
1: to be able to say something like that. Yeah,
0: uh, Gaspari, blue collar. I mean, uh, I Rich and I he sponsors my show every year in Hawaii. Um, he, I've never seen somebody do so much with so little. Rich was a big block of frickin' butter uh, when he first came on the scene. I I remember witnessing him come up through the national championships. And I was very envious that he was training with Lee Haney as a training partner. I thought, what an advantage he had over everyone. When I won the Junior World Championships, my training partner at 20 years old said that I could beat Rich Gaspari, And Rich Gaspari, I think, got third in the Mr. Olympia Championships that year. Uh, And I said, no way. I mean, he came into our gym, he was doing a video, it was his very first training video, I, I remind Rich all the time that my training partner said I would beat you one day. And I did not, that's the one thing I didn't believe. And then in 1990. You did not believe. In Chicago, I didn't believe I could beat, because I mean, he was barely 22 years old getting third in the Olympia, and uh, I thought it was just so far-fetched. And he was training with Lee Haney, and he, he went on to get you know three first runner-ups. And in 1990 i surpassed him and just another one of those milestones in my career that validated that i chose the right sport interesting david pecker i don't really know dave i haven't I, had uh, we had dinner twice I, I don't know him i do know that he reminds me of joe weeder he resembles joe weeder i don't know if he has the same passion as joe weeder uh in terms of what to do with this sport of bodybuilding but he's hiring the right people at the right time to do the right things. So a lot of things you pointed on that haven't been happening, hearing them being verbalized could potentially turn into things that might materialize because we're at a point where he's at least willing to listen to the people he brings it to his office. And if he's willing to listen and let people do what needs to be done, Mm -hmm. I think some of the things you were discussing earlier could potentially in the next three to five years get done and we could be in a totally different space. It's good to hear. Uh, Robin Chang. Oh man, I remember Robin when he was carrying Flex Wheeler's gym bag. Um, He was working for ESPN on American Muscle with Lose a Wick, that's how far back we go. I mean, we're going back to the early 90s when Robin came on the scene, and I gotta tell you, he's very cerebral, caring, and he's thoughtful to the athletes. I think that Robin is a very diplomatic player in this sport, and he grew up in this sport. So if you wanna know how things should be done, how people should be treated, I think Robin has a f- firm grasp on how those things run. Cool, Phil Heath. Um, man, I, I I would have to say, because I was closer to Phil when he first turned pro than after, because I worked for a different magazine. I worked for Muscular Development, he worked for Muscle and Fitness, and so we've had this big chasm come between us, so he's somebody different now. But I gotta say, he's, he's, he's self-made. Uh, I don't think anybody can take credit for what Phil's done. Um, the word gift is appropriate because when we saw him we said holy crap this is not something that you can just develop he's born with it he's got a gift um i think he could do a little bit more with it than what he's done but maybe he's doing with it what he wants i mean to whom much is given much is expected Mm -hmm. i come from the bodybuilding elk like that olympia is the holy grail he's got seven of them he's got different ideas what each one of those mean to him But I gotta tell you, I think he's done the best with what he could with it. Uh, I'd like to see him do more in the landscape of bodybuilding as a figurehead. If the powers that be are not allowing him, that's a different story. But I'd love to have him be more relevant because I think for the past year, he's been a little bit too invisible. Mm -hmm. And the best thing for bodybuilding right now is if Phil came back, takes his title because I believe that that has his name on it. And if you're asking me to give him advice, Phil, go back to your first love, Get that title, tie that record, and then go for number nine. He's got, he has a very small window at his age that he could actually wind up with nine. All he has to do is what he's always done, fix the problem. That's the easy part. He doesn't have to go build up bigger arms or a bigger back. But when you sit on the sidelines for a year, you become civilized. It's like coming home from war and they call you back up to go back. Um, it's, it's not as easy as said than done because getting under that weight, Doing the things that you have to do, it takes a very disciplined mind, and I'm not sure he's not too civilized right now. He may be a little too civilized for that. He can't come back to fail. Like, he would have to know he's going to war. And going to war with these guys, Phil Heath is the shoe-in for me. I mean, I, I, there's nothing he needs to do other than just come in a little bit lighter. Ronnie Coleman did it in 2001 when he won the Arnold Classic Championship before he almost died in 2001. Phil doesn't need to die to win number eight. Phil comes back, he would send shockwaves through all of these guys because he has the he has the t- tools. He doesn't have to rebuild anything. Um, he got penalized for what they were gonna be penalizing him. He knew what he was gonna get penalized for. Now just fix it and come back and get your title. When was the last time you guys spoke? You and him? I talked to Phil over the new year and I basically told him he needed to call Jim Mannion. He needed to call Jim Mannion, yes. got it. Okay,
1: last one, Arnold Schwarzenegger
0: without arnold i don't think there's a lot of us i mean arnold made this what it is he put the lipstick on the sport man if you don't have those pictures of arnold training at Golds with franco and and uh you know marrying a kennedy and doing the movies and i mean creating the arnold classic what do you have without him we don't have it i mean i certainly wouldn't be promoting the sean ray classic when the arnold classic came out i thought one day i want the sean ray classic interesting interesting right i mean he's know. he's affected people in the domino effect that i don't even think he knows and. And for me to be working with Arnold every year, and for me to be able to be in that universe, how it's very vast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm actually going to his museum in Austria in, in March. I get to go to Graz. That's cool. Um, he, he's the closest thing to a Joe Weeder that we have in terms of uh, being revealed. You know, I mean, he, he, we, God forbid, we lose Arnold. And we're all going to go. But when that day comes, it's going to be a very sad day for bodybuilding. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I bet it is
1: top five greatest bodybuilders of all time in your opinion all time
0: my well arnold's in there because without arnold you don't even have the blueprint so we start with arnold and work our way back um lee haney's in there um of course we've evolved we've got bigger legs we got bigger calves we got the bigger back um i i i really love sergio sergio oliva sergio oliva is the game changer because i think he showed that you can put mass where mass isn't supposed to be. I mean, he did it in Cuba, like, I mean, and, and, and at the, in the 60s. He did it at a time where it's not fashionable. But more importantly for Sergio Leva is the joints, right? I mean, did you, nobody's been born with that type of configuration. Um, I gotta put Ronnie Coleman in there because Ronnie did what no other human can do in terms of the girth. I never thought of Ronnie as a beautiful bodybuilder. And I've always thought a body body has to have some beauty to it. Nothing pretty about Ronnie's physique. Um, But there's nobody else that can duplicate that because of the amount of weights that he lifted. We're never gonna see anybody lift that kind of weight. He was a power (laughs) lifter. To look like Ronnie, you gotta do what Ronnie's doing and there's no one gonna do what Ronnie did. So uh, I found a little satisfaction in beating him in the early years, uh, because I can always brag about that I beat him um but of course once he wanted it was a stranglehold and even though he ended kind of poorly uh it was gonna it was gonna change because Mm. of the things he was doing um and i think we're missing one more which i would say samir banu samir banu for me you put some for me for me and you got to remember when i started when i started i didn't have a phil heath i didn't have a dorian i didn't have a jay cutler but what's very impressionable we all remember our first i remember the first time i lifted weights right i remember the first time i opened the magazine and I saw Bob Paris before I saw any of these guys. But when I saw Samir Banu in 1983 as Mr. Olympia, with the split in the bicep, with the lions, with Betty Weider, with the standout trophy, and Muhammad McAway there in the shadows, I thought there's, I thought he was six feet tall and maybe 400 pounds. You couldn't put him in a box. Uh, so for, if not for Samir, I probably wouldn't have gone to this business the way that I did as an artist. I never lost the artistry of bodybuilding, which is why you never saw me with the bloated gut and all that other stuff. I posed out of shape once, once, and there's like a a couple of pictures floating around the internet that remind me that I made that mistake. (laughs) Um, But Samir to me was what Mr. Olympia was supposed to be. All those other guys that are worthy of that title, they're they're great champions, but like I never aspired to be a Phil Heath, and maybe it's because he's younger than me. But with Samir being older and, and laying the footprints, that's what I kind of always kept in mind while I was training in the gym.
1: It's very tough to have prior generations put somebody that's younger than them yeah. in the list. I don't, you know, even in basketball and baseball, it's just a different kind of
0: a way yeah. of doing It's that. almost like you have to go to another sport. I got to go to another sport yes. of a younger player yes. doing something that yes. I've always wished that I could yeah. do, right? Like I always, I always wanted to be like Mike Tyson, right? But you, in bodybuilding, you can't be that way. But Mike was just a beast and an animal. And that's how I approached the weights, and I took my my battles out on my training partners the way that Mike did on his. So
1: I, I uh, Paul, is it fair to say this is the longest bodybuilding interview we've ever done? <laughs> I don't know what I've <laughs> never done it uh, this long. <laughs> I want to say this, guys, this the longest we've ever done. We've touched Oops. a lot of topics. <laughs> I I certainly hope, the uh, IFBB is watching. I certainly hope the Olympia folks are watching. Obviously, the, the bodybuilding folks are watching because they come visit us here all the time, but. Uh, there was a and and, and and I also appreciate you being a class act for allowing me to push you and you pushing back and giving your points because I think that's how I get educated. Sure. For me, you've been in this thing for pretty much your entire life. It's not my part. I just appreciate the sport and I admire what many of you did with your physique and I want to give the exposure to the business because Absolutely. I like this business. So uh, appreciate you for coming. I appreciate your answers. Yeah. And hopefully, I will see you in uh, September at the Mr. Olympia, so I can kind of see from the business standpoint. Yeah,
0: well, I just I wanna leave you with this parting thing is that a lot of the bodybuilders think that the industry owes them something. I mean, everything I've gotten was from bodybuilding. And I think a lot of the guys before me can say the same thing, but you reap what you sow. Like I'm not Mr. Olympia, um, but I'm still able to go out and get sponsors for the things that I'm involved in that have to do with bodybuilding where the next generation yeah. of bodybuilders are gonna come from, So, which enables me to do the Sean Ray Classic, which enables me to send people to the Mr. Olympia to watch it, to send people out to my show in Hawaii to watch it. So representing companies like The Watch Company, like The Clothing Company, like The Tanning Company, it enables me to be able to give back and also feed my kids. So it, it becomes a business. You can't just rely on the prize money, right? You have to find, what, find your niche, and it's not through social media, it's through relationships.
1: I totally agree with that and obviously you know where I stand with some of the stuff on what Olympia could do. To uh, uh, give them a uh, uh, like, really reach out a little bit more. But I fully agree with you. Having said that, brother, thanks Absolutely. for coming. I man. Really, really, I enjoyed it. Thanks for right. coming out. This right was on. great. Thanks everybody for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Value on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five star, write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick Bid David, and I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.